This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. Stop obsessing over the draft picks. 22. Stop. Okay, moving on from that. And you can call in and weigh in on that. One caveat on all that. No. Yes. No. Yes. There's no caveat. Yes. No. You have to, have to, have to sign him long term. I know. There's no caveats, though. Except except for the one you agree with. Except that one caveat that I agree with. I've changed my stance a little bit on Jerry Judy. I think I, I... I honestly, when I said that last week, I, I it was coming from a place, Alex, of a little bit of like, I just, I need some semblance of a football season, some semblance of entertainment on a football field from my, from the Patriots this year. And that like felt like maybe, oh, okay, at least one week when he re- debuts with the Patriots, right. we have the Jerry Judy game and we can talk about what he looked like and things like that. But I also thought came from was coming from a place where I legitimately thought they had a chance to beat the Raiders. So I was yeah. like, all right, so two and four, you get Jerry Judy in the building. Like you never know at that point. It, I, at this point, I'm with everybody that was saying don't. Don't waste assets and on this team right I, now. I figured out a, a better way to phrase that argument too because my caveat was – you know, you were like, oh, third round pick, and you read off all the third round picks that they've yeah, missed yeah. on, and you said, you know, is is this what you want them spending on? It's not so much that, it's when we get to, and I've given this take like 10 times in the last week, and I still haven't looked up the date of the draft, but April whatever, that Thursday night. I think it's the 26th. I Perfect. April 26th, that Thursday night. The Patriots are sitting there on the board, sixth, let's say things keep trending the way they're trending. They're sitting there like fifth, sixth, seventh. They've identified Drake May as 25th, 25th, April 25th. Perfect. I'll forget next time I give this take. Sitting there Thursday night, April 25th, Patriots are picking like like 5th, 6th, 7th. Yeah. They need to trade up to three to get Drake May. They've identified Drake May as the guy. That's that's the guy they want to trade up and get. Who? Who's identified him? The Patriots. Oh, I get what you're saying. Well, that's another conversation. But but here's the point, right? Don't you want that third round pick in your pocket to offer in a trade? And we can extend this to the trade deadline and get more assets because... Evan, uh, you, you just said you wanted like that element to watch Jerry Judy. Yeah. Will you take another two months of watching this team as it is if it means you get 10, 15 years of watching Drake May? Yes. If I, but I'm, I, I will just to play devil's advocate. Yeah. You're not guaranteed that Drake May is going to be good either, right? Like, no, you, you're so, not. So and, that, and, and you know me, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the guy that, that's petrified of the quarterback here. So. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to go back in there unless you absolutely have to. It's trending towards you absolutely have to. So we can talk plenty about the future outlook of the team. I know th- that's the story with the Patriots, right? Like the story right. is, unfortunately, it's not about what's going on on Sunday here against Buffalo. It's not what's going on on the field. It's about Belichick, his future, the future of the team, the future of the quarterback position. And I get all that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of start with a a take on the state of the Patriots right okay. now because that is what Wait, can we can we start with another take first? Yeah. Your haircut. I did get a new Excellent. haircut. Thank you. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> I can't even pull it off. I told him <laughs> to say something. I uh, I just want to shout out my friends at uh GA Barbershop down the road and here in Foxborough. I think it's Foxborough technically still, right? Where the Papaginos and the D'Angelos is. I and believe so, so yeah. G- go see uh, George and Habib. They're going to hook you up with the haircut. They cut a it's lot Foxborough. of the, They cut a lot of the uh, players' hairs as well. I'm not going to like name the players that they they work with, but uh, you know, you can see uh, they have like all the Patriots jerseys and some autographs hanging in the barbershop. Great great place, great great cut, right? Look at the cut. Looks nice. 211 North Street in Foxborough. 
Yes. So, there you go. so G A right, right G-A by the D- ba- uh, barbershop. Right I by the speak. D'Angelo's. Yes, right by the D'Angelo's. Uh, G A barbershop stone throw from the stadium. Uh, great cut. Anyways, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> so here, here's here's where we're at. I think that, uh, you know, with the Patriots, the first things first is I genuinely, you know, a lot of people are asking, has Belichick lost the team? Has, uh, are the players tuning him out? We obviously have talked a lot about the Belichick, the GM stuff, right? And all the personnel missteps and the lack of offensive talent and and things like that. The the general uh, sense or feeling that I get around the team right now, this is not a report. So Dov Kleiman, like, don't don't hit me with this. I'm just telling you. Dov's always lurking, man. I'm just telling you what what I'm feeling as a person that's around the team quite a bit. Uh, I think it's actually more of, of disbelief that they're this bad. Like, I think that there was – and you were at camp, so you yeah. can speak to this. I think in the summertime, uh, there was genuine buy-in of Bill O'Brien's here now. Bill O'Brien's going to fix the offense. He's going to fix Mac Jones. He's going to uh, fix, you know, the all the entire offense. And then we have a defense that's got a lot of talent, and we're going to be really good on that side of the ball. Like, that side of the ball is legit good in the NFL, not just like what's – get the offense back to level the defense is legit good uh we're going to be a little bit better in the kicking game because you know we have joe judge over there now we've changed the specialists up and we're going to be a competitive football team i'm not saying that anybody in this building thought they were winning a super bowl nobody thought that nobody but they thought that they were going to be in the hunt for the playoffs you know eight nine wins maybe 10 if they get a couple bounces like they did in 21 and this three-week stretch especially the two weeks, obviously, against Dallas and New Orleans, I think hit this team like a tidal wave. Like, holy crap, we just lost two games by 70 points, you know? And and I don't really think that anybody in this building thought that they were going to truly be bad. Like, one in five, not middling, but bad. And so I, I look at that and I say, well, why? Why why have we gotten here? And I want to talk about some of the, the coaching aspects of it and how we got here because I think everybody talks so much about the injuries and they talk so much about the roster construction, but I think it's it's more than that. Well, I but just to that point, you, you, you say, you know, you get this feeling. I, I had that thought uh, Tuesday yeah, when Bill O'Brien talked and you or it might have been Taylor Kyle, somebody asked him, you know, how – do the offensive line injuries limit yeah. what you can do? And in his answer, he basically said, look, we've had a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. It's not an excuse. Or he yeah. said, those aren't excuses, they're facts. Yeah. yeah, That was his exact wording. That stood out to me. Yeah. Because they are, I think, they, they know they're limited in their personnel, not in terms of the roster building, but I think they had certain plans for this season that, for one reason or another, some of fault of their own, some not, that they can't follow through with right now. Yeah, and I, I so I think the short way to put this is that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. And the Patriots had a plan going into the season that I think they genuinely thought was going to be representable football. Genuinely. And I, I thought the same thing. So yeah. I, And I want to keep on you know, hammering home. Nobody is saying that I thought I thought they thought they were going to be in the Super Bowl. Nobody's saying that. You booked plane tickets to Vegas. Right. You right. love Vegas. You couldn't wait to go back. The Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl. You were booked at the Luxor. You're ready to go see the beam. All of it. No. 
I but I definitely thought we were going to have a real football season with a competitive fo- look last year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running the offense they were 8 and 9. They weren't right. out of it until they lost in Buffalo. They they could have they had a win and in game against the Bills in week 18 last year and they lost the game. So I I don't think anybody really thought that. But here's the two things that I I want to get into some of the coaching and and some of the the on-field stuff, but I also want to read this quote because I I got to talk to Dante Scarnecchia in the spring. Uh, Obviously, Scar is going into the Patriots Hall of Fame on Saturday, uh, jacket fitting tomorrow, Hall of Fame on Saturday, along with Mike Vrabel, and this is no disrespect to Mike Vrabel. Uh, He's very deserving and and as well, right, to be going and getting the red jacket, but I just, I, you know me. Scar's your guy. Scar's my guy. I absolutely love that Mr. Kraft did this and that Skarnecki is going in the Hall of Fame and that the team recognizes what he brought to this organization that predates Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, goes all the way back to Raymond Berry. Right, predates Robert Kraft. Yeah, predates Robert Kraft uh, right in the 1980s with Raymond Berry. And uh, I had asked Scar, and, and this piece is going to run tomorrow, so you can read the whole article or you could so, buy well, a Game Day magazine and read it there too. Well, so I wanted to set this up for you, like, you know, because you said like, yeah, no disrespect for Vrabel. You want to talk about Scar? Our, our, I almost said our freshman year, our first year covering yeah. the team, right? We go yeah. to the Super Bowl and we talk to all the assistant coaches of the Super Bowl and they all were at like tables Yeah, and you sat down with Scar oh, yeah. for like 10 minutes oh, yeah. and talked to him. And I remember you coming up to me and being like, man, if I could just talk to Scar for like an hour about offensive line play, that'd be yeah. amazing. And then you got to basically I, do I literally that. did it. Yeah. And, and that's what this yeah, article is. It was definitely a, um, what is it, you know? look mama I made it moment when I got to Full write circle, this yeah. yeah like this is exactly what I I wanted to do when I when I took this job with the uh, patriots.com but anyways uh, here here's the quote from from Scar about when it started to change in the Patriots organization from going from where they were in the 90s to the Patriots dynasty right and and he says first to have the type of owner uh head coach and a player like Tom Brady that was probably the revelation so he he admits that Brady and Be- like that that was the biggest thing right it was obviously right. those things happening but here was the other quote he gave me uh complaints complacency was never an issue there was always a strong drive that unilaterally transcended the entire organization everything administratively with the football realm equipment training staff video staff everybody it was just across the board and seeing the focus the same way so essentially what he's saying is is that everybody in the building had a standard of excellence a standard of championship medal like that was the expectation that and it was unspoken that they just had this level that they were at and they knew it and they it was an unspoken rule that everybody had to meet that level and what I see with this team right now and I know Devontae Parker has kind of like become the poster child of this because of his post-game comments yeah but just in general what I see with the team right now is that I don't think that there is that same competitive drive that there was during the Brady years and I fully agree that maybe that was set that tone was set by Tom Brady right and he's not here anymore and that's a big part of it but the word complacency stands out to me because sometimes I feel like when we watch this team right now it's the same movie over and over and over again and I get that in Vegas they didn't get blown out by 30 points like they did to Dallas and New Orleans but when you really start to break down the issues of why they lost this game in Vegas it's not all that different it's the same thing that why they lost they just played a worse team 
Right. It's it's untimely penalties. It's bad offensive line play. Yeah. It's missed opportunities in the passing game from the quarterback. And then it's all of that stuff compounding late in the game. Right. So that, to me, I think speaks volumes about where the team is at, that I think that there has been a losing mindset and complacency that has set over this team post Brady and has really taken its its ugly you know turn this season that I I personally think that all of this points to the fact that we are very very critical on this program especially I don't want to speak for other people of Belichick the GM you and I I have fairly criticized the roster construction over and over and over again. Lack of, uh, you know... Uh, just the tackles. We spent hours and ne- hours on just the neglect tackles. At, yeah. at tackle. Neglect is the word for it. Uh, the, the lack of urgency to add real star power to the offensive skill positions. Like, all of it. You know, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I, I was blue in the face, are like, yelling when that whole thing was going on over the spring. Like, how do you not bring this guy in? How do you not do this? And they didn't do it, and here we are. So all these things. But what I, I am coming away with is something that I, I've, I've felt for a couple weeks now, but this game sort of re, uh, like reinforced it for me. The Patriots are poorly coached. The Patriots are not a well-coached team. They're not a well-coached team. And for that to be like – for that to happen in a, with a Bill Belichick coach team, for me to sit here and have proof – of all the reasons why yeah. they, they are not well coached in all three phases. Like defensively, I think that they're the best, right? Certainly. They're the best coached on defense. But offense and special teams are not well coached. And when you look at those, th- that in itself. So if I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but now I feel like it's even stronger. We know that he's had missteps as a general manager. If he's not a good coach anymore, then what the heck are we doing? Like there's – he. What's he bringing to the table? Like, what is he bringing to the table? So I, here's a few things, and then I, I want your reactions to them. Yeah. Uh, here are their deficits faced in, like, the first 20 minutes of a game. Like, I'm not even talking about them being down, what was it, 38-3 or 28-3 to at halftime to Dallas, right? Like, yeah, obviously they got – they lost by 35 points to Dallas. So they, they, that that deficit was huge. But I'm just talking about like the first quarter right. of the game here. So week one, I'm going in order. 16 to nothing to Philadelphia. Yeah. Right out of the gate. 16 to nothing. Miami, 17 to three. Against Dallas, after Mac Jones uh, fumble six, it's 18 to three. There was 12 minutes to go in the second quarter, and it was already 18 to three. They're in a 15 point hole. Against New Orleans, similar time frame of the game, 21 to nothing. They were down three touchdowns to New Orleans midway through the second quarter. And then last week against a bad Raiders team, a bad Raiders team, 10 to nothing with 12-27 to play in the second quarter. You were two and a half minutes into the second quarter and you were already down two scores. That to me tells me that the team is not ready to play. They're not ready to play out of the gate. All week long, you talk about game plan, right? Like, what's the game plan going into this week? If your game plan is getting you down 17 to nothing before you even can take a a second to breathe in the game, then it's not a very good game plan. So they're starting games piss poor, terribly. 
They're starting games terribly, and they're getting basically blown out in the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of a football game, which tells me that they're not prepared to play in the game. And it, it, to me, that's like co- that's like the crux of coaching is offensively, what's your opening script, right? What are the first 10 to 15 plays that you have? You have practiced, and this is what drives me nuts the most. You have practiced the first play that you are going to run in the football game all week long, right? First and 10 from the 25-yard line, this is the play that we're going to run. False start. You false started on the first play of the game. False start, second play, illegal man downfield. You have two penalties in the first two plays of the game. As Bill O'Brien put it, and I thought he was really candid about it, ridiculous. Like, absolutely flat-out ridiculous that you can't even run a play to start a football game without getting a penalty. That is wild. So, you talk about the starts of these games. It's been brutal. It's been brutal. The So, the, go ahead. just on a, a couple things on that. First off, uh, just first quarter scoring alone. Patriots rank, they're tied for 29th, but there's a bunch of teams. Second worst in the league. They're averaging one point per game in the first quarter. Yeah. They're allowing uh, six and a half points per, per game in the first quarter, which ranks 27th. So I can't find the first quarter scoring margin if they're actually the Giants are worse because the Giants are below them in both. But uh, if they're not the worst, they're towards the bottom. Now. Yeah, so they're getting blown out in the first quarter. Yeah, blown they're, out. they're getting blown out in the first quarter. I mean, and that's, again, that's a, a six-point different per game. So you right. add that up over the course of seven games, that's that's bad. The other thing I, I would add to that is it's funny, last year the one thing that the offense had going for it was the scripted drives. Yeah. Remember they'd have like, and, and sometimes they'd turn it over at the end, but like they they pretty much every, more games than not, I would say the good majority of games, they moved the ball on the first drive of the game. They didn't score on all of them, but, you know, the Miami game, right? And that ends in the pick, and there yeah, were a few yeah. other games like that. And the coming out of half was the same thing. They'd come out of half sometimes in tempo, and they'd move the ball, and they'd score there, and that was it. I Late in the season, there was some weird percentage, like 40-something percent of their points were scored on the first drive of a half. Yeah. And it was bizarre. So that was, of all the things they struggled with last year, and there were many, They were they, their scripted drives were good. Their scripted drives have been some of their worst this year. They've played six games, and three or four of them, they haven't gotten a first down yeah. until like their third or fourth drive. So they're, they have two scoring drives on their opening drives. They're both field goals. Yeah. They don't have a touchdown yet on their opening drive. It also took them until Thanksgiving last year to have an opening drive touchdown. So you went 13, But they had a number of weeks. field goals, or they were, they were at least moving the ball and turning yeah. the ball over. This is like you're going three and, three and out, punting it away. The other team's yeah. in favorable so field they position. Went, they score. So first, first drive of the game for the Raiders the Raiders go 16 plays for 62 yards and a field goal that the leveraging penalty was was thrown in there right and I'll get to special teams in a second because that's been uh, its own issue so the Raiders go 16 plays uh they they have the, they possess the ball for eight minutes in the first quarter I think they picked up four third downs on the opening drive and the Patriots defense couldn't get them off the field until until the red zone right they couldn't get them off the field then the Patriots offense gets put on the field they go three plays. They go one yard. They gained one net yard. One. Yeah, there was a, a point in this game where it was the Raiders led 10 nothing, both on the scoreboard and in terms of first downs. Yeah, so second drive of, of the game for the Patriots. The Patriots' offense goes negative eight yards. 
You have negative seven yards through ten, two drives of, of offense in this game. So Bill Belichick was asked about starts and things like that. Uh, I think Curran asked him on, on Monday, and he was like, look, if I knew the answer of how we could start better, like that's it, that you're 100% right. That's that's a big problem for us. That, to me, points to coaching. Like you, That's your game plan. What, what, how are you going to stop this team? How are you going to script an offense to beat this defense? And they don't, are not ready to play in the game. They're not ready to play. The second thing, I, I mentioned some of the penalties, right? So they're 10th in accepted penalties, which doesn't sound terrible, but for a Belichick coach team, that's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. They're, Although la- last week was their most penalized. Yeah. Uh, keep going. I have a take on this. So, they, so they're the 10th most penal- penalized team. Most importantly, they're the fifth most penalized team in pre-snap penalties. Fifth most in pre-snap penalties. So, like, delay a game. So, when did that happen? Oh, right, the last drive of the game. False starts, procedural stuff. You know, they had an illegal shift, right, against uh, Hunter Henry, I think, in this game as well. So, that's undisciplined. They're not ready to play in the game. They commit a bunch of penalties and, and, pen- and like, mental error penalties, like delay of games and false starts and things like that. They're sloppy. They're a sloppy football team in that sense, too. So, you have that. So that's that. Let's add that to the to the list. Bad starts, sloppy play, and then two more. Two well, ju- just on the penalties. Yeah, they had eleven. It, it, they were uh, ten were accepted. They were called for eleven penalties in that game. Yeah, five in the first quarter, five in the fourth quarter. There you go. When it mattered. Yeah. Next one. We always we all know this one because uh, you know people have been talking about this a lot. Turnover differential. Tied for dead last in the league in turnover differential. They are minus eight in turnover differential. Turnover differential is the one stat that you know, you like these kind of stats because they're not they're not fugazi. Because they're, they're tangible. Yeah, they're, they're real. real. Yeah. Turnover differential is the one stat that is the most uh, correlated to wins. Right. Teams that turn the ball over a lot lose. Bottom line, like that. That and that's not rocket science. The teams like, that force turnovers win. Right. So they're. Tied for dead last in the league right now in turnover differential. They only have last year. They had a bunch of those, and I because I, I, I know that most of that's offense, right? Most of that's Mac Jones right. turning the ball over. And but that, it's but it's not though. That's it, the thing, and that's right. what's weird. And I think that's where you're going with this. Yes. So the defense has forced three takeaways all year long, which is also I think like twenty something in the league or something like that. It's it's down there. Uh, the defense has forced three turnovers all year long. It's last. I, I, oh, it's still it's dead, it's last. It's dead last and takeaway alone. Like they're not. They were tied with a couple teams with two. Last I knew it week. was in the bottom. Jeez. Falcons so, and Browns each have four. So they're dead last in turnovers for or takeaways turnovers forced by the defense. On top of that, there are three turnovers. Only one of them has happened in their uh, opponent's territory. Right. Right. Like in like the yeah. plus side of the field for the Patriots' offense. Last year, they had 11 such turnovers that happened in the opponent territory, right? So they were teeing it up for the offense. As bad as the offense was last year, they had you know seven drives, seven out of 11 scoring drives off of turnovers that started in the plus 50. So like they're basically just getting the ball in scoring territory. And even if they went three and out, they were still you know Paul Perillo likes to call them pick threes, right? Like yeah. you're you're still getting a field goal out of it. So as great of an individual play, and it was a great individual play. And we're going to get to it on a positive note at some point. As great as an individual play as Jabril Peppers' hit stick forced interception awesome. was, 
it happened in the red zone, right? It happened in the the Raiders were in the red zone when it happened. So the offense still has to take the ball and then drive it 75 yards to make anything out of that. So that's that's what I was going to – I don't think they have any points off turnovers this year, right? I don't think so. So – and that goes back to your point maybe about the – where the team is at, the disbelief in being where they are right now. Yeah. You had to figure and, – and you lose Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon. This is going to happen. This – we saw it last year. Like when they won games, it was because they were forcing turnovers. Right. And this defense was built to turn the ball over. Talk, talk about having a plan and executing the plan. I think that was a big part of the plan was to swarm teams and force turnovers. And Absolutely. they're not doing that right now. And they were counting on having a bunch of short fields. And if not pick sixes, those pick threes like you're talking about. Yeah. They just haven't been there this year. Right. And then the last one, this one, this one really is the the piece of resistance. Do you know where the Patriots are right now in special teams DVOA? It's thirty. Is it still thirty second? Dead they're, last. Yeah, they're thirty second going into the dead game last, last right? in special teams DVOA. You telling me the Brandon Schooler field goal block didn't run that thing all uh, the way up? Yeah, do you want to? Do you want to know how bad it is? I don't know how DVOA works, so I'm not going to know what this means. But go ahead. Okay, so basically, I'll I'll I'll, I'll simplify it for you. Yeah, they are almost doubly as bad as the okay. 31st so give me the team. number. Just, give me the so the Patriots special teams DVOA right now is minus seven point four percent. Okay, that's horrible. Okay, minus seven point four percent. The Raiders, or Raiders, uh, the Rams, excuse yeah. me, who are in thirty first. Are at four point nine percent. Who's in first, and what's the number there? I, I don't know who's okay. in first, but who's in first? What's in? Second? Well, no, I'm curious <laughs> if know. they're worse than the best team is good. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So they are minus seven point four, and the next closest team to them is minus four point nine. So you in this off season spent money on guys like Chris Board. You drafted a kicker in the fourth round. You drafted a punter in the sixth. But the round. Jets are first at six point three. So, so they are. It's no. You said. 7.9. So they are worse than the best yes. team is good. Yeah. yeah. So they have the worst special team. You move Joe Judge back to special team, right? Like all of it. Yeah. They have How many teams have three special teams coaches? Because the Patriots have three special teams coaches. Right. And they have a bunch of special teams players. And I'm not like a guy that gets all hot and bothered about the cap space they're taking up. I don't really... It's like ca- point. Yeah. It's, it's a it's, decimal of a percent. But that's, the point is, is that this team is focused on being good in the kicking game. Like, they, right. that's an emphasis for them. And Tough teams cover kicks, right, Alex? But look, there, there's nothing wrong. Like, here's where I think the conversation gets lost. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be good on special teams. But they're not. But they're not. That's the point. Like, you can flip games if you're good on special teams. Yeah. But if you're going to focus and put resources into being good on and special teams, then you should be good on special teams. And yeah. I, Because I don't want, you know... I don't want to take, like, oh, they don't need to spend all this money on special teamers and they shouldn't be spending yeah. as, much, as much time on it. Like, that's not the takeaway here. The takeaway is they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Remember, how did this season start? Do you remember how this season started? Yeah. They were penalized in right. OTA practice. For too much for special two, teams. For the special teams meetings. For too many special For the 15-minute special teams meetings. To, to, judge to, to have the 15-minute special teams meeting to be 32nd dead last in the league in special teams. And look, again, Jeez. like I said with the turnovers, I think part of the plan was there's going to be we're going to flip the field. There's going to be short fields. Yeah. We're going to pin teams inside the five. Yeah. But Bryce Beringer shanking kicks. Yeah. They can't get Chad Rylan in position. They can't get the snaps off right. There's been a lot of penalties. A lot of special and, teams and, penalties. And they're 
their coverage and return units are bad too. Like I think that some people yeah. look at it and say, oh well, you know, Bryce, uh, excuse me, Chad Rylands missed half his yeah. kicks, and Bryce Beringer's had some, and they're rookies, and this. No, they're dead last in the league in net punt average. They're dead last in the league in return average on kickoffs. Like they're, they're, they're running kicks out of the end zone. They don't need to run out. Yeah. You had, you, there's been some weird punts they feel. There's been three or four times this year, and maybe this is losing Marcus Jones, but yeah. there was one Jabril Peppers fielded inside the 10. He shouldn't have fielded. There was the other one. He like sort of muffed trying to pick up yeah. on a bounce. And look, Jabril Peppers has been one of their best players. I don't mean to pick on him overall, yeah. but you can't have that. If you're trying to win games on the margin, special teams is the margin. Yeah can't have that so that brings me to my last point and uh it was you know two last points one uh, bill o'brien on tuesday spoke and i thought what he said was really interesting about that they need to be better at the details yep and when i heard that i was like oh like a patriots team is not good at the details like that's bill right like that's right. all bill's all about is the details and they can't coach the details into these players anymore and I, I feel like that's very, very worrisome. And that kind of gets me to my last point about the film and like what I, I saw on film. I, I got to be honest, you know, I thought that there were some good things about the offense in the second half that I was encouraged by in terms of the running game and some of the things that Bill O'Brien did with the scheme. And uh, I, I thought that his plan for Mac, his passing script is really good in this game. It's not going to work against everybody to, to run the quick game as much as they did and to you know throw it underneath as much as they did. But it was the right thing to do in this game with the quarterback being where he was at, right? It got Mac into a, at least somewhat of a rhythm there in the second half, and they moved the ball a little bit and things like that. But overall, I, I watched this film uh, against the Raiders, and I kind of came away from it being like, you know what? Uh, they kind of got their butts kicked again. <laughs> like The score was 21-17, yeah. but they kind of got their butts kicked again uh, on in all three phases again. And, uh, you know, it starts to me offensively. Obviously the offensive line, uh, is, was still not great. Uh, they were a little bit better in this game than they have been, but I think that speaks a little bit more to other than Max Crosby. They really don't have anybody over there in Vegas that scares you as a pass rusher, but the quarterback I, I thought was, was bad in this game again. And, uh, defensively, uh, that de- that defensive performance was extremely concerning to me. Their pass defense has completely cratered. And I understand that it's mostly, I wouldn't say mostly, but a lot of it is because of Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez no longer being available. But that's that's going to be the team for the right. next 11 yeah, you games. you got to figure it out. And they allow Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer uh, to average over eight yards per pass attempt in this game. They really didn't stop the Raiders other than in the red zone. Like, the Raiders went up and down the field. I mean, they did the bend-don't-break thing. Yeah, and I give them some credit for holding up in the red zone, but they really had a a really difficult time in general in this game, stopping the Raiders' passing game. And, uh, you know, the one big stat that stands out is, um, you know, Aaron Schatz, I think, uh, tweeted this. He used to be Football Outsiders. Now he's at the new site. Uh, The Patriots have been really good against number one receivers. Like, Devontae Adams really didn't kill them in that game. The problem is, is that they can't cover everybody else, right? So they're really good against number one receivers, but they've been really poor against twos, threes, tight ends, like everything yeah. else. And that's exactly what happened in this game. You saw that through and through, like Trey Tucker catches the bomb. Michael Mayer looks like he's prime Gronkowski on the opening drive and nobody can cover him. Uh, this defense, I, I really don't think uh, they have no pass rush. 
Uh, their secondary is banged up, and they, they're missing key pieces back there. And they're not a very good pass defense at all right now. So you look at it in all three phases of this game, they really got outplayed, I thought, pretty much the in all three phases. And yeah. uh, that that's, I think, the most concerning thing that you can come away from with this game. And, uh, you know, that's where, I, where I'm at. That's a 30-minute layout of uh, exactly where the Patriots are at, as we tend to do. But it, it's it's worrisome to really think about that they they even are getting outplayed by teams like the Raiders and it's not one thing like it's all across the board in a lot of senses well at the same time though I felt like and this goes back to the roster construction thing my prediction for the game going in was it's going to be close and then the the, the difference in the rosters is the star power the difference yeah. in the rosters is Devontae Adams Josh Jacobs and and Max Crosby and Crosby specifically just because of the Patriots offensive line I said on the sports hub Sunday morning this game is gonna be close and then Max Crosby's going to make a play late, and that's going to be that. Yeah. And I thought it might be the roughing the passer, and I thought yeah. I might have gotten it backwards, and I got a little too excited, but then he gets a safety, right? Yeah. That's the difference. And for the Patriots, they had a guy like Matthew Judon who could maybe give them that play, or a guy like Christian Gonzalez who could give them that play. I don't know if they have that guy on offense, but they had a couple options on defense. Kyle Duggar should have been the third, but he hasn't played at that level this year. And that, was the, that to me, was you, you talk about the film stuff and getting outplayed. Maybe they did a little bit, but at the end of the day, the Stars made the plays that decided the game. Yeah. And that's kind of what the modern NFL is. The Stars make the plays that decide the game. The Raiders had the Stars to do it. The Patriots did not. Yeah, absolutely. That's Just add that to the list of like yeah. the lack of star power and the lack of top of the roster talent, is which which is goes back to the personnel thing uh, that we've talked about. So uh, that's an ugly truth. Because, I mean, you the say Patriots the Raiders right outplayed the Patriots. Let's not act like the Raiders played this great game. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. But Max Crosby, when he needed to make a play, yeah. pinned his ears back and did his thing. Yeah. And that was what made the difference. Yeah. It's, um, it's just troubling to... I look at a team, and like I, I think I said, I don't know, 15 minutes ago or whatever in this rant, uh, that it's troubling to what look at What is even it, time on uh, this yeah, show? It's, tr- it's troubling to look at a team make the same mistakes and like be the same, like just follow the same script every single week. And if I'm the Patriots, and I, I know there's been a lot of talk this week, Alex, about like taking the ball, like instead of deferring yeah. and like oh, do, doing different. Which watch, they won't win another coin toss yeah, the rest right. of the year. But in general, like I don't think, I think that that gets a little bit overplayed like I'm not really necessarily sure that that's the difference at taking the ball what's taking the ball if they have two penalties in their first three plays and go three and out right like it, it doesn't make a difference you're a, you're a, they still are injuries and in all a defensive football team yeah and you should be able to get a stop and then score and then yeah. go for that double score that's still and, and people hear that a double score they can even get one score yeah. you, the second you start chasing like that you get panicky issues compound themselves they still need to play to their strength. Their strength still is defense. Yeah, I don't. So, I, I'm with you. I don't think taking the ball does much. So going into the season, Belichick, the GM, failed because we knew the roster had holes, yeah. and we knew that the talent on the roster had to, wasn't top end. I, I, I don't heavy. think we thought it was this bad, but, but we didn't we, think it was this bad. We knew the offensive line. We were right about. We knew we didn't know it was this bad, and I think the reason why we didn't know it would be this bad is because we thought that they would be coached better. That's part of it. You know, we thought that they were going to coach them and up. And I think that's what they thought. How yeah. many calls did we get? People being like, is this really their plan for the offensive line? And it's, well, they believe in Adrian Clem. Yeah. And things like that. All right, speaking of calls. All right, let's take some of these calls, and then we'll get to three up, three down. Uh, Jeff is in Maine. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Hey. How are you? Good. So uh, pretty much 
anytime you guys are on a show, I watch or listen to it. Thank you. Love it. Um, and I say that for a couple reasons. One, so you know that this isn't personal. And two, that you know I'm telling the truth. Uh, I'm here to start a debate between the two of you. Uh-oh. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard. I, I've, I've been keeping receipts. Uh, last week on PU, Evan, you said that uh, Lincoln Riley was one of the brightest offensive minds in football, and you really want him for a head coach. Still do. Uh, oh, and no. on Pat's beat, Alex, you were vehemently opposed to that and said, when was the last time a college coach worked out as an NFL head coach? And I just want to hear you two go at each other for this. Uh, I'll take it off the air. Enjoy, guys. Thanks, Jeff, and thanks for the call and, and for listening to us. We really appreciate that. Lincoln Riley, give him to me. Wasn't good against no- that that Notre wasn't Dame team good isn't in very that good. One game that Notre Dame. So now we if you can't, can't beat that Notre Dame team, which Notre lost Dame's to Louisville, good, they got a good defense. They, eh, kind of. Yeah, they got a good kind defense. of. They, they played kind well. Kind of. They had a good game. Good he has the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, he can't go in and scheme up for that. De- for that defense, I mean, to me? be to be fair, Bill O'Brien had the number one pick in the draft at Alabama last year, and also didn't make it very far. So if we're just gonna, he we had no wide re- one. He had no wide receivers last year. Two. All right. And how's that? And how's Bill O'Brien doing in the NFL right now? How's he doing in the NFL? So, right? so hey, I, if you I, can't beat Notre Dame, yeah. What? How? And how are you? And by the way, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, USC. Yep. It was cold. It was rainy. Yep. He, from all the reports out of Southern California, that might have gotten in his head a little bit. And I think he struggled to prepare his team for that. Well, water gun action. At right, practice. you're squirting players with water guns. It's not going to fly in the NFL. You want him to come to New England? And try, first of all, I, will he do that and leave Southern LA? But also... No. He won't come here. I know that. That was His team has had bad games the last few weeks. He got out He got out coached by Jed Fish. I know they won, but he got out coached by Jed Fish against Arizona. I think Jed Fish is kind of a good coach. He might be, but still. Yeah. He got out coached by, and I, I think Marcus Freeman's a good coach too, but yeah. these aren't guys that NFL teams are breaking down the door for. Kyle Whittingham has whooped him twice in the last year. He's got him this week, and you should like Kyle Whittingham. I, I, I don't know how much I, you know about him, but no. you would if you did. Um it has not been a good couple of weeks for Lincoln Riley, and that team is All kind of in trouble right now. All to come to the NFL. It's not working for him at the college level. It's too hard for him, so why doesn't he go coach against better coaches because, is your answer. Well, it's not necessarily better coaches. It's, it's better just, coaches. It's different. It's, it's No, it's better It's better football coaches. Most of the time. It, it Most of the Well, yeah, outside of the guys like that get called up from the college ranks like Matt Rule and Urban Meyer. So the reason why I like Lincoln Riley, and they, thank you for laying out all the reasons why he stinks. And, and uh, no, and he's a good college coach. I don't want to come across yeah. that like he's not. He's a very good college football coach. But there are some guys, Nick Saban, and I, you know how I feel about Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban is a very good college football coach. He also chose Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees in 2006. Right. There's so, a reason Nick Saban has just been at Alabama and stayed there. So I think that guys like – so here's the, the difference for me. Everybody – like I, I could – I think it's more of an off-season topic to go into all yeah. the, the great things about Lincoln Riley. Uh, but at the crux of for Lincoln Riley, just know this, Lincoln Riley runs a new age offense, right? That's a modern spread uh, air raid elements, RPO elements. Like that's a, that's a modern NFL or just yeah. offense in general. And a lot of NFL coaches um, have taken uh, from Lincoln Riley 
and it's trickled up into the co- into the pro game. You know, mainly guys um, that coached with him, but also guys like Andy Reid, for right. example, in Kansas City ha- has a lot of Lincoln in, in his playbook now. So they've done a lot of those different types. It's a modern offense. That's like yeah. the, the bottom line of it. But there are NFL coaches that coach it, that have experience yes. at the NFL level that coach it. Okay, that's okay. fair. That would the be other the, reason those would be why guys I would go get. I, I, I look at Lincoln Riley as a great candidate is because I actually think in a, in a way that his personality might actually fit the pro game more than the college game. Oh, and, I don't think so. And so in, in college, uh, like a guy like Nick Saban, for example, mm-hmm. you mentioned like stayed in college for a reason. I think that guys like Nick Saban need to be able to like motivate with like aggression, right? Like that's like the type of motivation that they have to stand by. And like, I'm like this father figure to you and you have to answer to me. And like, it's a, co- it's discipline, right? Yeah. It's a college program. Lincoln Riley to me is uh, cut from the same cloth of like a Sean McVay, a Kyle Shanahan, a Mike McDaniel, like the, these more new agey coaches that are a little bit more chill, a little bit more laid back. Um, you know, he lives out in LA in this like ridiculous mansion apparently, right? Like all these like things like that. And I, I did, I think that that lends itself more to the pro game because you don't usually, and I know this yeah. team, I just went on this whole thing about how this team doesn't have, uh, you know, that sort of um, complaint this team does have complacency and doesn't have that kind of drive but usually when you're dealing with professional athletes you don't need to father them right like you don't need to like kick them in the butt and you you don't have to worry because they're getting paid to do a job like you don't have to worry as much about that sort of stuff and i think that that's where the difference to me between a guy like lincoln riley and uh, some of the coaches that have come from college that have failed in the NFL. I think a lot of those guys come to the NFL and are trying like, to be these like disciplinaries, and it doesn't work because you can't do that with pro so athletes. So I, I, I would say Matt Rule doesn't fit that description. Urban Meyer probably does. Urban, Matt, Matt Rule definitely does. He came from Temple. That's like Temple tough. Like that's the whole, that's the whole mantra. No, he, was, no he, he wasn't that kind of guy. Everything I've heard about his programs, he was not that kind of guy. It seemed like that kind of guy at Carolina. I would also say just... I don't. There, I, I don't want to say anything that like isn't like hasn't been reported. But I'd say there were there were some, and maybe he learned from it. The way Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, yeah, I think rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. I don't necessarily think because he left, but I think it was the way he ran the program and the things he preached to leave the way he did. I think there's some more, and again, maybe a change when he left. Yeah. I think the Oklahoma program was a lot more disciplinarian than maybe it came across. And uh, maybe L.A. Lincoln's different. Right. But I think at Oklahoma there was a, you know, you follow my word because I know and I will get you there kind of thing. And then for him to leave so suddenly it was a, well, you told us to trust you blindly and you you bailed on us. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just... It ultimately, like in terms of like the motivator and all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, I don't really like care as much about that stuff as, as some people do. I, I just want the best I would also say, offensive I, mind. I, That's and, all I want. But you even said like there's guys that run the Lincoln Riley offense. This yeah. is the other element of it where I just struggle with college coaches, and there's evidence of this in the past. And this is where Matt Rule does not apply, but a guy like Nick Saban applies. A guy like Urban Meyer certainly applies to this. Lincoln Riley is at his core a recruiter. Yeah, He's a great offensive mind, but before he was that, he was a recruiter. And he has pretty much across the board, you could count on one hand the games Lincoln Riley has coached where he did not have the most talented roster. That's not going to be the case in the NFL. That's and 
can he compensate for that? So you said that there's guys in the NFL that run Lincoln Riley's offense. You say you want Lincoln Riley. I would say to you, give me some of these guys in the NFL that are doing it. Those are the guys I would call. Yeah, I I just think ultimately— Oh, Cliff Kingsbury is another one. Perfect example of that. Always had great roster. He had Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And he got to the NFL, and he didn't have a great roster. And suddenly, some of that new-agey stuff, when your players aren't 20 times faster than the opponent across the board— it's a little harder to run that. Okay, fair enough. I you uh, look. I don't know as much about college football as you. We all know that. So like, I I'm not gonna get argue with you about like what he was like and what he wasn't like. I no, just but, want but the I best just, offensive mind, it, and I think Lincoln Riley is at the very top of the list nowadays in terms of offensive innovators and, and coaches. And, and that's fair. But again, I think you need to take that one step further and say, all right, if there's other people running this offense who have experience with an NFL team, yeah, that's the that's the middle ground. Yeah. That's where you go, and and I think you're practical about it. Yeah. Instead of just taking a wild swing that, I don't get me wrong, like the 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 ceilings are, would be in theory very high with hiring Lincoln Riley, but I think it's as if not more likely you end up in a borderline Urban Meyer situation. Is there a guy that's a little bit safer that will still give you some of that offensive motivation yeah. that just has that NFL experience? So I, I think it's an interesting question, and I, you know, this is also probably more off season in terms yeah. of like if this actually happens, and they are we do are talking about lists of head coaching candidates and things like that. But I think we're both in lockstep that as much as we both like Gerard Mayo, uh, that an offensive minded coach and and that whole direction is is probably the best thing. For I have the team. one exception on that. Okay, if you can get Josh McDaniels back. Is the OC okay but because the, but then the Raiders have to fire him so which you now you're going down a whole thing. I, I know but it, it's more like your thing and, and I used to kind of scoff at this I actually if it's Gerard though I would think that Bill O'Brien's his offensive okay partner. so here's the thing I, I used to scoff at this when you would say it and you're right the danger in having an, a defense-minded head coach yeah is the offensive coordinator you're going to churn through him and the quarterback doesn't get any consistency right there is validity to that which i didn't agree to in the past but i do now wow look at that he just admitted that i was right about something fade but where's josh mcdaniels going yeah right well where was he going the first time like, yeah but but now the second time has happened is kind of my point that's fair like I, are you really going and and let me put if he leaves yeah it's not going to be for years no it, it, you're going to have some stability and maybe this applies to bill o'brien too i don't know but like that I would think be Bill my, O'Brien could have a college job. That's true. Not before long. Okay. That that Josh McDaniels would be my exception to the offensive coach rule. If you can get Josh McDaniels, the offensive court there is consistency on the offensive side of the yeah. ball with him that you're not going to get with like a younger upshot. And and maybe there's other guys that fit that. Like maybe Eric Bieniemy. It seems like teams don't want to hire him as head coach, well, which is wrong. Well, I don't know why he would leave the Commanders. To I don't either. But I, again, if you can get one of those like older OCs that you know just isn't going anywhere. I would like Bieniemy if they can clear his his background. Then he, I, I he, would like Bieniemy. He's on he's on my short. Like if if we're yeah. going to talk about names, like he would be one of the first names that comes up. He's for done me, a really absolutely. good job with Sam Howell. He's done a often. great job with yeah. Sam Howell. Like yeah. he deserves a lot of credit. And when he left, everybody was like, "All right, we're going to find out it was all Mahomes." And is yeah. he another one of these, you know, Adam Gase, Mike McCarthy kind yeah. of coaches? He might not. Mahomes is a part of it, but yeah. uh, B doing a very good job on his own. Yeah, he he's a he's a good candidate, and I I think that all you know those types of guys. I, I like Ben Johnson. I do. I, I think with the thing with Ben Johnson uh, that concerns me a little bit is just that that system is is very Shanahan-y, and you're really talking about completely overhauling the offensive well, personnel. What have we talked about with this offense for the last few weeks? I agree, like, but I'm I'm just talking that those systems take time to build up, yeah, and it takes continuity and it takes a lot of practice time. Like, if you're 
Robert Kraft and you're firing the greatest head coach of all time because of his performance, you, the next year in 2024, don't want to stink again. Like you want that, you don't need to win a Super Bowl I, no, in the first I, I, I year. I get what you're saying. But you need to have a little bit of like, uh, you know, instant gratification well, to it. I would it. say, look at what Mike McDaniel did in Miami. Yeah. I, I, that team he inherited was not Brian Flores wasn't running a Shanahan offense no and, no but they had some pieces already like they had Tua they had Jalen Waddle like no, they, they, did they have Jalen Waddle yeah yeah they uh, drafted Jalen Waddle the year before they they uh, traded for Tua okay so they had some but yeah, yeah. I, it's not like a five-year project no it's like a two or three-year project it doesn't scare me too much. Okay. I get what you're saying with you do you need more instant gratification yeah. but it doesn't scare me all too right much. uh Sean is in Vancouver what's up Sean Hey, guys. I hope hey. you're doing well. Uh, Evan, I was uh, also in Vegas. I had a great time despite the loss. Now, you said before you're not crazy about going back to Vegas. For, Spend too many uh, times. He's lying. He I loves Vegas. Lying. He loves the Luxor. It sounds like you had a good time, though, with, with the, you know, playing that um, Top Golf. Yeah, Top Golf was fun. Evan went to Vegas and enjoyed golfing. There you go. This is a win for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's something. There's always something to enjoy. Now, I, I want to hear, speaking on, on the positive stuff, we're, we're talking about how bad the Patriots are, which is understandable. They're one and five, and we're not used to this. And uh, Vic Carucci was, like, talking yesterday about how he was looking at the All-22 and seeing just so many holes. What is there that's positive that we can look forward to on Sunday? I mean, City so played uh, at guard. I, I don't know. You were watching the 22. It seemed like he was okay. Um, but what, what can we look forward to that – in this game that we can move forward with? Are there any players or are there any things that you think might work? Is there something we can do that could be different that can actually lead to a score offensively? I'm just, just looking for something to grasp onto. No, Sean, that's a that's a good call because uh, – and thanks for the call, Sean. I'm glad you had fun in Vegas. Uh, it's we got to talk about some positives, right? And yeah. like, It can't be all negative, and that's not like a Homer thing. It's just – there's got to be something. That's always been our uh, show. I, I, give you both sides. I, I think that there's two things, and then I, this is a great segue into three up. Well, we down. talked about one positive. We talked about your haircut. <laughs> Thanks. I Where'd you that. get it again? J Barbershop, baby. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so so shameless. Uh, the uh, the one thing that I liked about what they did on offense this week, and uh, you know, defensively, like they're still okay. Like they're like. Th- 14th in DVOA on defense. Now, so you got to take like the first month out kind of because Judon and Gonzalez were there. So, yeah. but it, in general, they've been, oh, they're going to be okay on defense. Bill Belichick, I think, although his like floor hasn't translated to the entire team as a whole, defensively, that I believe they have a Belichick floor where he's not going to coach defense. That's an absolute disaster. He's he's too good on that side of the ball. Gerard Mayo, Steve Belichick, they're good enough at their jobs on that side of the ball to keep the defense at least middling, even with the talent issues that they have. So I think that their defense is going to be competitive most weeks as long as the offense doesn't leave them out to dry like they did in Dallas and in, in against New Orleans. Um, the other positive, I thought they did a much better job in this game than we can also do our three ups. Yeah. Uh, the other positive, I thought they did a much better job schematically in this game using motion. Like they used a ton of more jet motion, end around motion, motion at the snap, right? Like stuff, window dressing, things like that. And I thought that was a big reason why their, their, uh, run game was a little bit better in this game I know the Raiders run defense was also part of that equation but I really like some of the short yard you've been 
screaming about yeah. them, like throwing the ball on third and, and one and stuff like that. They ran the ball that this past week. And on, they, they got first downs. And they got first downs. Would you look at that? A big part of that, though, was because it was off of motion, right? Like they right. had a Kendrick Bourne um, jet sweeper end around for a first down on third down. And then they sequenced that by faking the jet sweep and then pitching it out to Ramondre in the other direction. And they they got another first down at that. So some of the motion stuff I, I really liked in the run game stuff. I thought Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem dressed it up a lot better so it wasn't just we're gonna run gap right at you right like you can't just do that all the time you gotta have some semblance of you know window dressing whatever you want to call it uh, and eye candy and and be able to just manipulate some gaps a little bit and manipulate the defensive uh you know their eye discipline and their rules so i really like that uh, and that that gets us into three up three down uh I, just one more yeah. thing on on the caller's point there he said anything like this week to look forward to I'd like to see him expand that Malik Cunningham package a little bit this week. Oh, God, he, it was bad. I know, but the Bills aren't good against the run, and they might yeah. not have Ed Oliver. The game was moving really fast for Malik, and I don't blame him for that. Like It was his first NFL game in the regular season. He hadn't played other than maybe some practice reps. Like yeah. He's been sitting there waiting to play. He really didn't even play in the preseason. Yeah, and so they throw him into the fire. Uh, I thought both of them, he made the wrong reads on both of them, but that, I, I just I understand I, that I, it, I it get was it, his first time. But out. it's also like, what do you have to lose? Yeah. They need to find ways on offense. The Bills have not been good against the run. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to see them expand the run game overall, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm looking forward. I'm hoping we get another look at Malik Cunningham this week. That's fair. All right, three up, three down. Uh, number one up for me is Christian Barmore. I thought yeah. Christian Barmore is fantastic in this game. Uh, five run stuffs, two batted passes, hurry in the pass game. That's eight. As Greg Bedard would say, impactful pl- plays. And right? one of them, one of those run stuffs was the one on third down to get the ball back. Yeah, for, yep. I mean they end up TFL. with the safety, but what would yeah. have been the final and, drive? Uh, he also he almost had a sixth very first play of the game, a run play at least. I don't know if it was the very first play, a very first run play of the game for the Raiders. He went, uh, you know. Block anticipated the block, the zone block went right around the guard and was in the backfield, and and the, it ended up being like a gang tackle for no yeah. gain. But he was the reason why the play got blown up in the first place. That's because he was in the backfield. Uh, this, I think, to me, and I, I, you know, going back to his rookie year, he might have had better games or more impactful games in the pass rush. But I thought that this might have been Christian Barmore's best game in the NFL. Like this was a really, really good game by Christian Barmore. He was really good. Yeah, I was going to have him on my list since you have. Him. I'll, I'll switch yeah. him out, but yeah, he was. This is a, that was as complete a game as I've seen him play. All right, who do you got? Uh, Jabril Peppers. Yeah, he's on my I, list. I mean, too. he was awesome in this game, and all, everything we talked about over the summer with him being like a tone setter and, and things like that. He's they got to be getting him on the field. He's their best safety right now. Yeah, and it goes beyond the Devontae Adams hit, as awesome as that was, and as yeah. textbook as that I was. I mean, but, that was the first time uh, that the Patriots have made a highlight. Sports Center top ten type of play yeah. in what like six weeks probably like, since the Farrah Brown touchdown yeah, yeah yeah in like a month yeah I, I mean it's textbook that's a te- teach tape hit clean play yeah. all of it yeah uh, but he's just he's constantly around the football you can tell he's able to rally some of the guys on that defense just as a leader who's I, I think some guys even talked about him stepping up with Matthew Judon out kind of in that role yeah, yeah. Um, he's just been. He's been everything you wanted him to be. You talk about, I say this all the time with players, right? If he maxes out 
what he will give you. I think you're seeing Jabril Peppers more or less maxed out, which is fun to watch. Yeah, I, first round talent, Jabril Peppers, right? Like yeah. this is, you know, yeah. if you want to hold on to one thing that like uh, one Belichick mystique item, it's that Bill Belichick figured out how to use Jabril Peppers, right? Yeah. And get that first round athleticism well, in almost. I, I, I want to see him on offense. <laughs> I want to see him in the Wildcat like he was in Michigan. So really good game from Jabril Peppers. Yeah. He was on my list too. I assume that we're going to ha- might have the same exact list or okay. very similar Well, list. I'll change mine as we go. But. Number two, uh, for me was Kendrick Bourne okay. and uh, Kendrick Bourne in this game uh, what had nine catches right or eight catches on nine yeah. targets or something like that I should have pulled that up uh, the 36 yard catch was ridiculous like just broke like three tackles I don't even know how he got out of the tackles like the original tackle gets into the open field and I remember uh, as he's running in the open field I saw uh, who was it I should know these things uh, chasing him from behind whoever it was and in my head all I could think of was don't fumble right like I thought that he you was saw gonna, the pop Douglas I, I, I thought he was gonna fumble because the guy was gonna catch him from behind he didn't fumble held on to the ball hit but in general um this was a really really fun tape to watch from Kendrick Bourne uh, he was running routes with purpose right like dynamic route running uh there was a throw on uh, the left hand sideline that Mac threw to Gesicki uh, that was incomplete Gesicki like kind of tried to one hand catch it he was held a little bit Tyquan Thornton ended up getting the flag for holding and they got the first down anyway go watch that play again if you can find it, and look at Kendrick Bourne run the uh, the little whip route underneath, just absolutely breaks the cornerback's ankles and is wide open underneath. And of course, Mac Mac misses him, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but in general, I, I thought that Kendrick Bourne was running uh, dynamic routes, like really, really dynamic receiver routes, uh, creating separation. Uh, you could tell in the stem that he was coming off the line of scrimmage and guys were feeling that speed and that explosiveness. Uh, this was one of his better games uh, with the Patriots. I know he's had some games that were maybe more statistically good uh, than this one. But uh, last thing on Bourne, some of those plays that he caught against zone, just no, the quarterback and the receiver being on the same page. It was refreshing to see Mac gets blitz, Kendrick Bourne sits down, and like they knew where each other was going to be. I don't think you can really say that for everybody on this team with the receivers. So the fact that he was on the same page as consistently as he was with the quarterback was cool to see as well. This is everything we were yelling about last year. Yeah. I was yelling about last year with yeah. Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, great game. Like he 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 can play, man. Yeah, he can play and. They're finally giving him a chance, and I mean, he has to now. He's their best option on offense. They got to start running, especially if Hunter Henry's going to miss time, and, and he hasn't been to practice this, or he's back today. Yeah, but he missed practice earlier this week. They got to run this thing through Kendrick Bourne because them, yep. he, I, he's the most explosive player they have. Yeah, he's the most explosive player they have on offense. He's creating with the ball in his hands. Outside of Pop Douglas, who they really just won't play, Kendrick Bourne's the only guy you can say that about. There's like Hunter Henry's been good. But he's not going to create. He's going to yeah. give you more or less what's given to him. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is an explosive player, and you're starting to see that. He was open the entire game. Like he had, yeah. you know, even more than what he was targeted. He was open the whole game. All right, what else you got? Uh, Zeke Elliott. Yeah, he's I, good. He. So I have a theory on Zeke. Yeah. He obviously joined the Patriots a month in a, the in, a month in a training camp. Yeah. So he, I don't want to say he's a month behind, but he is kind of a month behind. I know he said he tried to stay in football shape when he was on his own, but there's only so much you can do. We're now a month, and he looked a little slow at the beginning of the year. Think he's We're now a month now. into the season. Yeah, he was running with purpose. I, yeah. He's never going to be like a burner, but he, was, he wasn't running away from guys, but he was running through guys. He was getting guys, shaking guys off of him, things like yeah. that. When he hit the corner, there was a burst. You yeah. could, before, 
the first couple weeks, you could tell, like, he's trying to find the hole. And guys run slower when they're trying to read the field because you're waiting for things to open up. And then when they hit the hole, you want to see that pop. I thought I saw more pop from him in this game coming off of the read than I have to this point. So I'd like to see, especially if Ramondre's banged up, I'd like to see him get more involved. Yeah. Both in the run game, maybe in the pass game. Uh, but he looked healthy. He looked good. He looked right. He looked like Zeke. Again, the Bills aren't a team that runs the ball well, uh, that defends the run well. So this week, if you can, maybe, and they especially are bad in between in between the guards. Yeah. Get See if you can get him going because I think he's kind of back in that feed Zeke mode where he can start dealing defense's body blows and maybe you build off of that. Yeah, I, I think he's one of their best offensive players, which might speak to where they are on offense yeah. a little bit, but he's one of their best offensive players. And I, you, you know I love Ramondre Stevenson. I, I love him as a player. I think he's been great with the media since he's been here. He's a good dude. Uh, but that being said, Zeke is their best running back right now. And I think that they need to they need to feed him. That he need. I would venture to say that it might even be time to just say that he's kind of the number one guy. It, it might be. Yeah. yeah, I think he's the best player. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, because I had I had uh, Peppers. Yep. Zeke and and Bourne. Yeah, Peppers was my last one too. So uh, let's clear these calls and then we'll get to three down and we'll talk a little bit about. Who was the other? No, then you had another one. Peppers, Zeke, Bourne. No, mine were mine were uh, Barmore. Oh, and Barmore, Barmore, okay, Born yeah, yeah. Peppers, and you added Zeke to it, yeah. which I think is a good one. All right, uh, Mark is in Connecticut. What's up, Mark? Hey, Evan, Alex, how you guys doing hey. today? Good. Uh, I was on with Nick Fitzy yesterday, and we were talking about how we really need to sit Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker and run Pop Douglas, Keishon Butte, Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton. Run the rookies. It's time to sit these guys that aren't doing a damn thing. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really fair, and thanks for the call, Mark. Uh, we just were in, up against it a little bit here because of uh, locker room. They moved it early, so we want to move this on a little yeah. bit. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, uh, that gets me to three down. Look at that. Nice transition, right? Boom. Three down. Uh, my number one down in this game. I had a tough time with, this, with, with picking who was number one on okay. this. Okay. Because I agree with the call 100%. It's time to sit Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster and, w- and roll with the young guys, 100%. Yeah. But my number one down is Mac Jones. It's it's still Mac. I, Devontae Parker is also on my list, so don't okay. don't, don't worry. Like I, I He's going to get his in a second. But Mac Jones was more consistently bad, right? Like Devontae yeah. Parker had like one or two bad plays. Oh, he's bad <laughs> Yeah, plays. right. But Mac Jones in this game, uh, you know – we laid out in the first 30 minutes, and I wanted to do it this way because I don't want people to think – to me, it's two separate things. We can sit here and talk about Bill Belichick's mistakes, and the reason why we're here from a 30,000-foot a view is Bill's fault. It's Bill's fault that we're at this point with the quarterback. Bill did this. I, this is not me crapping on Mac Jones, but when I – talk about Mac Jones in, in terms of his play. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing that's going wrong for him. I'm not sitting here telling you it's his fault. It's Bill Belichick's fault that they have no offensive tackles and their best receiver is Devontae Parker. That's Bill Belichick's fault, right? So, and you know, their best receiver is Kendrick Bourne, but you know what my point my point is, right? right. Their number one receiver is supposed to be Devontae Parker. The guy that just extended. Yeah. So that's Bill's fault. With that being said, uh, Mac Jones is leaving too many plays out on the field. He just is. And it's not just the interceptions. Like the Hunter Henry interception was a brutal throw. We all know that. 
But really, when you, you go and you, you look at this film, uh, the only good throw he really made in this game, and I should say that, the only like high-level throw he made in this game was the deep ball to Parker, right? The yeah. rest of it is all just kind of, you know, layup yards, like yards that most quarterbacks in the league should be able to get. He is locking onto receivers, which I think is a big thing. You know, Hunter Henry is a big one that he just stares at Hunter Henry. And if Hunter Henry doesn't get open, he might throw it anyways some of the time, or he just takes a sack or eats it or whatever. It's first read. Sometimes he'll get to the check down, but most of the time it's like first read and then, oh crap. Now, right. you know, panic. Which is crazy because he was not always like that. Right. So I have could probably count on one hand in the last three weeks how many times I've seen Mac Jones make like a second read rhythm throw, right? Like in my drop, read the first read's not there, get off the first read, come to the second read, hit the second read that's open. Like I haven't seen it. I haven't seen him move off any first read in like a month. And that, other than to get to the check down, but that's like a separate thing, right? right? And in this game, I know Romo highlighted the play and tried to like make excuses for him, but he locks into Hunter Henry on a, on this third down and Hunter Henry's running like a little uh, rip uh, whip return route. And he's covered. Not only is he covered, but he's like five yards short of the third down marker and he's covered. So even if he throws like a contested type of throw and Hunter Henry still makes a, a play on the ball, he's not getting the first down. Kendrick Bourne is wide open past the sticks on the dig route. And all Mac Jones has to do is come off Hunter Henry, re, you know, reset his eyes and get to Kendrick Bourne in the second read in the progression and make a, an easy throw, make a wide open throw right in front of him. And he, he doesn't get to it. The throw to Ty Montgomery, that should have been an interception. Mike Kosicki is just wide open on the in cut on the second read again. Just come off the read and hit the throw in front of you. Uh, he He's not seeing the game well right now. He's not seeing it well. The interception of Hunter Henry, I thought he was a sped up rep for him. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's Haas Juke. He's off the Haas side, like the, the Juke side, the three receiver side, before he's even to the top of the drop. Like, he's already looking all over the place at that point. And, and then he leaves a pocket that the step up in the pocket was the right thing to do, but he didn't need to completely leave the pocket. He doesn't need to keep running. No. All he has to do is step up and buy himself some time for Max Crosby coming around, over the, uh, around the edge and just make a little throw to Zeke Elliott for a first down on the juke route. He's not seeing the field well. He's not feeling pressure well. Uh, it's just he's broken. He's absolutely positively broken, and I just – I preface the whole thing by saying that it's Bill Belichick's fault that we've gotten to this point but the bottom line is, is the quarterback is broken mentally he uh, most importantly and uh, you know we say this all the time if Mac is not if his details are not sharp if his footwork isn't sharp if his eyes aren't in the right places if he's not making the right decisions with the football he doesn't have enough physical talent to overcome it like he has to play well at the fundamentals like the fundamentals need to be sharp for him to be a good quarterback and they're a, a mess right now in the fundamentals so that that's my mac jones take and that uh what's your first down uh adrian clem yeah i i, I mean i could put vidarian low on here it, but it's not it, like vidarian low's fault yeah, that he's Ma- out yeah, there you can add mafi to the list yeah mafi all yeah. of them like like it's it, it's not I, I go back to that safety if vidarian low barely gets a hand on max crosby yeah. and you're six weeks in. They, there's nothing they can do to to help out there, and 
Connor McDermott's here to save us. Right. It, it, it kind of feels that way. And, and look, I'm actually kind of glad about that because he was serviceable at least last year. Yeah. I don't know that serviceable saves this offensive line, but it's better. Yeah. Um, the offensive line didn't look ready this week. No. They didn't look ready, and that's on the offensive line coach. I'm a little disappointed. Like, I know in that play, uh, Mike Kosicki's technically, like, chipping or in yeah, the block. Yeah, because, I mean, he didn't really try either. Speed bump. Like, just right. not even there. And uh, I, I feel like that was a little bit disappointing. Adrian Clem, I felt like left Vidarian low, or I guess Bill O'Brien takes blame for this too. I think they left Vidarian low a little bit one on one with Max Crosby a they, little they, bit too they much. They keep doing that, and, and yeah. they did it last week, and they did it. It's 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 been an issue. Yeah, and why like Pharaoh Brown doesn't just come into the game there and it, it, to block? Like I get what they're doing. They get basically what happened was is I I, I think Henry was hurt right, and they yeah. and so Gasicki's in the game in eleven. And that's just the only tight end at that spot that they trust. Uh, but I, I would have liked to, I would have preferred to have seen in that spot just run 12 with Gasicki detached as a receiver yeah. and then have Farrell Brown be the second tight end to help block Crosby. Uh, that probably would have made a little bit more sense. Uh, I had Vidarian Lowe and Antonio Mafia on my list, but I, 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 I think you're right to put it out mostly on the coaching and the personnel side of things. Uh, the one thing that's really disappointed me. Vidarian Lowe is just not an NFL tackle. Like he's just not, or I shouldn't say, he's not an NFL starting tackle. And I don't know for Adrian Clem, I'm not sure how you coach that up. Like, how do you salvage a player that's just in way over his head? You, you try to figure out a way to coach around it. Correct. And they haven't necessarily done a nice, a good enough job. And maybe of that. that maybe that's Bill O'Brien as well. But like, yeah. Also, the decision to dress Mike Onwenu when he was yeah. he was not going to play in that game. Yeah. Can you get another lineman on the roster? Where or not mess with the quarterbacks? It, it, Right. It's yeah. kind of crazy we've gotten to this point, but like, Evan, where's James Ferentz? Yeah. I don't know. He's kind of been like a steadying backup president. He was the only interior lineman to play last year other than, than Strange and Onwenu. He was the yeah. backup. Yeah, James Ferentz is basically a coach at this point. Right. Like, he's literally comes to the road games and is on the sideline and is coaching. Which, I mean, coaching is probably in his future whenever yeah. he's done playing. His dad yeah. coaches, his brother coaches, yeah. but... Where we, they, they keep rolling out the same group that clearly doesn't have it. Yeah, I almost want to say like, where's Andrew Stuber? Yeah, I don't know that or he'd be better. Rusi or whoever. Well, I just a tackle, right? Yeah, I don't know that he'd be better. Could he be worse? And we'll see. With Mc, I, I would, ex, I'm expecting McDermott to play this week. Yeah, Connor there's no. He was here this summer. Yeah, so there shouldn't be a learning curve. He has the playbook. I whistled that. Sorry, has the playbook. Should be good yeah. to go if he's healthy. Which I would assume if he signed, he's healthy. He should be playing this week. He is their best option. At right tackle. Yeah. So I also had Antonio Mafia on my list, but I think it's it's also more Adrian Clem. Yeah. Uh, so it's really disappointing that they can't teach the kid how to pick up a stunt. Like, it's just wild to me that he looks serviceable in pretty much every other way, I would say. I mean, like, the one-on-one pass pro reps are hit or miss but like he's a rookie and you kind of live with some of those and you don't leave him one-on-one a whole lot and you can kind of coach around that and things like that run blocking like he does, does he get a huge push no but it's it's functional like you can you can do it especially when you get Trent Brown on a on a double team with him and Trent's helping him like yeah. move it and I have something to say about Trent real quick too uh, but Antonio Maffi uh, not being able to pick up a stunt for a month straight and teams now, you know, uh, in this game, the Raiders and every team, every team is just going to keep targeting him on the same thing. They're just going to keep running stunts over and over and over again at him. And if he can't pick it up, he can't pick it up. And at some point that points to coaching to me, like Adrian Clem, do your job, 
get him in the film room do whatever you got to do text you know he'll, he'll be here this weekend like ask Dante Scarnecchia like what did you do when you had guys that had issues picking up stunts like how do I get through to this kid on, on how to pick these up have him work with Ferentz have him work with Dave Andrews like just you got to figure this out you got to figure it out it's it's not it's sad it's sad to watch him go out there and they run these stunts at him and he looks like a, a lost puppy. Like he just has no idea where that it's coming and nowhere to block. And he that is he is a puppy, right? He's a rookie. Like this is not on him. Like coach right. him. Figure it out. Uh those are my two other ones. My my fourth one, I had four. Okay. Uh my last one here, uh Devontae Parker. Uh yeah, I, I didn't get to mention him yet, but he's on my list too. So I don't know what was worse. The third down route in the first half, the drop or the post game. I don't know which was worse. I, I mean, the post game is just man. He can't do that. Yeah. And the full circle of it, where same locker room last year. Yeah. In part, so Parker's the guy they paid this off season. The guy they didn't pay this off season, Jacoby Myers, makes a worse play that he wasn't entirely responsible for. Yeah. And takes all of the accountability for it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty telling contrast. And again, I don't know how you put that guy back out on the field with any regular basis after something like that. Yeah. So I, I think that there is s- some truth, and I say this lightly. Yeah. There is some truth to the fact that Devontae Parker has gotten open sometimes. He was open on the he drop. He was open. He was open. He got behind the defense. Right. Right. He to- he, so, he, Chris Chris Gasper told him to his yeah. face, what'd you see? I saw you get behind the defense. Yeah. And then yeah. what happened? Yeah. So I, there's some truth to that that he has gotten open. I thought on the first third down of the game, uh, he was open on the backside and Mac once again got locked on to Hunter Henry and didn't move yeah. off it. Uh, there, there's other instances in Dallas. Like I think he was open like three or four times in that game and, and he couldn't connect with Mac Jones. So I think that there was, there are instances where Devonte Parker has been getting open. I think there's two things that I see with Devonte, and I see this a little bit with Tyquan Thornton at times too. One, if he doesn't think he's getting the ball, he doesn't run the route. Like he's just, yeah. it's just a lazy route. Like he just doesn't run the route hard. It, he has, a, I think, like competitive issues. Like I, I don't think, I don't look at him and watch him and be like, that guy is going all out all the time. Like it just looks like he's going through the motions sometime. And I thought on that third down route in the first half, that was just lazy. Like what, you know, you're, you're, what are you doing? Like, what? what is that route? You know, Mac Jones, I think, thinks that he's just going to kind of sit it down and, and like, hitch uh, at the sticks. Yeah. And, and then he in-cuts, and it's just like, wh- where are you going? What are you doing? What are, What's your body language? Like, all of it. And I thought post-game was exactly reflective of that. Uh, the drop, like, I, it was obviously in, in the spot, like, a horrible drop. I can see where he was coming from in terms of like the contact on the catch and things like that. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, but then say that. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, because of that one play, he's a bum, right? Like that's not my point, but the totality, no, it's the, it's the collective, the totality of it yeah. all is why I agree with the caller who just called it and said that he should be benched in this game. I, I, yeah. I agree with that. I think that he should be benched. I think I, I don't, they're not going to put Kayshawn booty on the field. Uh, but which is frustrating. But Pop Douglas, Tyquan Thornton, Kendrick Bourne, those guys should be getting the majority of the reps on to, Sunday. Do you still want to see more from Jalen Rager? 
No, like right. I'm kind of like it wasn't that it was terrible from Jalen Rager. It wasn't enough of a sample size to really be like 100% judging on it. But I saw enough from Taekwon, and I got frustrated on Tuesday about one. Yeah, you know, the the third first third down. I thought Taekwon's. I sent it to you. I thought yeah. Taekwon's route was was lazy, bad. But in general, I think that his speed when he runs hard, but he doesn't run hard all the time. And I think a bit it was kind of what do I was saying. Do you think that's a lazy Parker. thing, or do you think that's a worried about getting hurt thing? I think that if he's one of those guys right now and he's a young player and he's trying to find his way in the league and he's trying to make an imprint on the team, I, I think that if he isn't in the progression and he's just there to clear out space, I don't see him running the four two eight on a clear out route. I see him running the four two eight when they try to take a shot to him down the field, right? Yeah. Like then I, I see the four two eight. But when he's just clearing out the sideline for a dig or an in cut or an out cut or something like that and, and it's just there to clear it out, I don't see him running I don't see that four two eight. I mean I, I just they've bench guys for less. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh do we have any more any more downs here? Um we yeah, wait, let's take, go back to the calls. Yeah, that, that, that. I probably another one, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm saying this right. Is it Ganesh or Ganesh in North Carolina? Yeah, yeah Ganesh from North Carolina. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to make sure I got it right. What's up, Ganesh? Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I'm a UNC alum, so it's exciting times on Saturday as a Carolina football fan. But more importantly, I'm looking at Drake being close, and uh, I think he'd be a perfect fit for um, Patriots, especially the offense that we we run. I think he's a, he's one of the like elite pat, pocket passers still out there. I I think you mentioned that he's like a comp to Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, uh, maybe Josh Allen's probably like a little too stretch, much of a stretch. I don't think he's that big of a uh, body yet, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if things go the way they are, and I think the Patriots are going to be playing a couple of good to great defenses going down the stretch. And even if you're not tanking, I think it'll still end up with a top three, five pick. So, in that sense, like, what do you, what do you if, if you if you guys had the top, let's say three pick or whatever, who do you guys want to take? And yeah. Okay, yeah, thanks for the call, Ganesh. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a Drake May guy. I'm a believer. I'm a I'm a May believer. I don't know. There's got to be some sort of play on words there, but I'll find it eventually. I, I like Drake May. I, I think, Alex, you said, you know, well-rounded skill set. Uh, I love the poise, like, and kind yeah. of just, like, the general makeup. He looks like one of those guys that, that sort of gets it from that point of view. And I, I think the one thing that I have noticed with Mac, and I think we all noticed this a little bit, is that he tends to ride the wave a little and get emotional at times like when he's not playing well and it kind of snowballs on him uh, Drake May seems like the type of guy that could throw three interceptions in the first half and then come back in the second half and score 30 points right like I, I feel like he's got that sort of makeup about him and I think that that's what you kind of need well, in a quarterback so I would say what are you basing that on just the, the just, the just vibes vibes yeah so I and, and this is my big critique with Drake May and it's not necessarily anything about his game um, he's never really had a game like that, so we don't know. And part of the th- part of the reason is he's never. We haven't seen him like tear up an elite defense yet. Yeah. So, it. I I hate to go this route, but like remember the thing with Trubisky was he was drafted purely on spec. He had like one year starting UNC at a weak schedule, and it was just like this guy's toolsy. We'll draft him, whatever. Yeah. Drake May's much more naturally talented than Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. But you look at the tough teams he's faced. It, he he struggled against Clemson. He struggled against South Carolina twice, and those are really the only like true 
top-tier defenses he's gone against. Now, he has Duke in a couple weeks. That Duke defense is really good. That's going to tell us a lot. Yeah. Hopefully, UNC ends up in a bowl game against one of these good SEC teams. Maybe they get Alabama, something like that. Maybe, just maybe, they sneak in the college football playoff. They get Georgia. Like, right. That will tell us a lot. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him. He's still my quarterback, too. But he hasn't faced the kind of competition somebody like Caleb Williams. Like, I know you hate the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has been loaded this year. Somebody Pac-12. coming out of the Pac-12 right now, somebody coming out of the SEC, he hasn't faced that kind of defense yet. Okay, let's and see what it looks like against against. Let's the see what it looks and, and, right, and look, that, that can be taught, too. Like, his rookie year is going to be an adjustment, and he's yeah. going to go through growing pains as a rookie wherever he goes. Yeah. Because he's just, the ACC's been bad for a few years now. Well, yeah, I just, but I, I think. That, I think, he, can he get over it? Yeah. I, 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 it's worth the risk to me. He's he looks talented enough that yeah, I'll I'll draft him and see if if he can figure it out. I just like the caller said. I I think that also he he is at his core. I would say a pocket passer, right? Like that. I think he that would be how you describe him. Uh, but he has a little bit. First of all, he's just. He's I, I, bigger. The, the right? Justin Herbert comp is a good one. It's, it's a, good it's a one. very. Good I don't one. know if he quite has Justin Herbert's arm talent. Justin Herbert has a ridiculous arm, uh, but I, I think that May, when you see it, you see a definitely a guy that can that can work in the pocket, that can survive in the pocket, that can make throws from the pocket with accuracy and touch and timing and all those types of things. But he's got a lot more physical gifts than somebody like Mac Jones, right? Like he's yeah. got more mobility, he's got more arm talent, but he still has some of those like natural quarterback traits. I think one thing that I worry about with the Patriots and the draft with quarterbacks is them overcorrecting and saying, "All right, we drafted the intangible the the mental processor the decision maker the accuracy uh, better way to put it we drafted the floor quarterback last time right we drafted the safe guy last time so this time we're gonna draft the toolsy so that's our athletic you know cyborg josh allen type prospect i feel like the best thing about drake may is that you're you're hitting it right down the middle of those two things, right? He's got enough of those like natural quarterback elements and he has enough of the mobility and the arm talent, but he's not all one thing or the he's, other. Uh, yeah, he's definitely more ceiling than floor, yeah. but his ceiling's tremendous. Yeah. And his floor, the, the only questions are basically, and, and I don't want to say mental makeup like he's been bad. Like we, he hasn't really been tested. Yeah. And maybe he, when he's tested, he looks good. And if that's the case, he, he might sneak into the one-one conversation right. after the way Caleb Williams played last week, and if he has another stinker against Utah, yeah. Um, I just, you know, yeah. That that's where I'm at with it. He's a high ceiling prospect, but his ceiling is high. It's yeah. legitimately high. And to your point, like he's kind of the anti-Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones was tested a lot, but he had a ton of talent around him, and he was cool, calm, and collected at that point. You were like, all right, we're going to take him. Drake May hasn't really been tested, but he's done a lot with the situations he's been put into. And all right, let's see if there's anything behind that. And if it turns out the lights are too big for him, oh well. But everything else is something you want to buy on. I, I I'm you know Penix is growing on me. I know Good. you like Penix. I'm not I'm not ho- totally there yet, but I got to watch. Penix more. is a floor quarterback, but he's a different kind of floor quarterback than Mac Jones. I finally came up with a comp form the other day. I was struggling a lot. My best comp form was like less mobile Russell Wilson. Okay. I I came up with a comp form last night. I really like. Yeah. Lefty Philip Rivers. Oh, 
There's, I, I mean, I like Philip Rivers. I mean, he's a gunslinger. I mean, he's like, I think, a Hall of Famer. But, I, I yeah. think now, so you talk about like the cyborg Josh Allen, right? And yeah. that implies a certain level of mobility. Yeah. Michael Penix is that without the mobility. Yeah. Okay. He's just an old school gunslinger. The problem that I see with Michael Penix, I don't know. Well, it's two, two things. Yeah. One, he's like, what, 23, 24? He's going to be 24 when camp and he, starts. And he had ACLs, right? So he did. He tore his, his right ACL in 2018 and 2020. So it's been a while. Yeah. That concerns me a little bit. And that's a fair... Look, there's an no perfect pro- prospect. It's an a old concern. prospect with bad knees. Bad knee. Bad knee. Yeah. And the other thing that I think, you know, and this is just anecdotal, so yeah. I have to watch him more closely, but I just see him like bombs away in these games, and like that's not going to work in the I, So, So that might be the games you've watched. He, yeah. he can pick teams part, apart when he needs to. Okay. I think the age is the concern for me. And I don't know how high his ceiling is, and people are going to run and scream and say, "Oh no!" Yeah. Like it's Mac Jones again. His floor, where he's at right now, yeah. is much higher than Mac Jones' floor was. Like if they were in the same draft, oh, yeah. and everybody knows how I high I was that. on Mac, I agree. With I that. would have Penix is you could do a lot worse with a floor guy. I Michael Penix is a guy I would take Drake May over him, but in terms of the first round picks in this draft, Michael Penix is the third lock first round pick for me. It's. I would draft Michael Penix feeling comfortable that he can come into the NFL and win games. Yeah, I, I can feel that. I, I, I'm with you on that. All right, uh, let's get to uh, Jeff is in Texas. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Yes. Okay, yeah. Hey, I enjoy the show and uh, the Unfiltered Show and, and also Alex, your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, my, thoughts, my thoughts on Belichick is um, – you know, whenever that con- – now, maybe Kraft has already had some small conversation, but I don't think – I doubt they've had, like, a really, you know, end-all conversation yet. But probably, you know, towards the end of the year or at the end of the year, when he has that conversation, when he sits down with, with Belichick, whenever that happens, again, obviously there's variables. We don't know how the season's going to play out. But, I mean, um, Belichick, the general manager, that's got to go. I mean, you know – he, you know, he, if he wants to stay and continue to coach, and then here's here's kind of my question. Um, kind of know that Kraft does like Mac Jones, and so what if he says, okay, the Belichick, hey, you know, your general manager, you know, we're taking that away. We're going a different route, the personnel decisions. But, you know, you, you can stay as the head coach. Um, we're going to keep Mac Jones. We want you to try to work with him one more time. We also, you know, we're going to, and we have a high drive pick. We're bringing in a new quarterback how do you think that would play out uh because you know um belichick apparently you know from everything we know is not a big uh, mac fan yeah uh thanks for the call jeff and i i I hear what everything that he's saying i i have two reservations about bell that setup of giving let's just say for argument's sake they give the personnel to macro and they say bill macro is making the final decisions on the 53-man roster uh the free agency like it's all macro is the final say now on personnel and you're just going to coach uh the first concern that i have about that is that I don't know if it can if Bill can work with that. Like I don't know if that's going to be possible. Bill, Bill might just walk away at that point. Yeah. And secondly, my biggest concern is is Bill still a good coach? I more concerned than the dynamic of like Matt Grow and Bill or whoever the guy is. Like when you're Jeff Robinson. Like what uh, right. it's Jeff Robinson, right? I, said, I think the guy from the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Whoever it is. John Robinson. John Robinson. I, I knew it was wrong. Uh John Robinson, like whoever the GM is that they hire. 
I'm less concerned about the dynamic because it's also kind of just like to me at least it's like you're you're both adults like grow up and this is what we're doing right like I, I just I don't have any time for like the whining of like I don't want to work with this guy like we're adults like we all yeah. work with people we don't like like that's the bottom line me I, I work with Perlo all the time I don't know I'm just kidding <laughs> I was waiting for you to throw I, me under the bus I'm just kidding I'm just kidding uh, but we all work with people we don't like in our in life right like so figure it out what I don't I, what I love everybody what I'm more concerned about is is Bill still a good enough coach to, to warrant that? No, it's a fair question. I'll just, to the last point he said, because I've heard some people suggest yeah. this, you know, oh, well, why don't they keep trying to work with Mac and take a quarterback high and, yeah. and you know, that way they're covered either way. Maybe if you do that in the second or third round, a guy like KJ Jefferson, something yeah. like that, uh, you cannot take a quarterback in the first round and not have him be the guy. Yeah. The second you take a quarterback in the first round, Mac Jones becomes a lame duck. I agree. That's just, you can't, blow that pick you're, you're essentially talking about what the Niners did yeah and it's different to with, me with Trey Lance which was obviously a disaster and it's different to me than like I heard I've heard like the Alex Smith comp no it's not the same because Alex Smith was like 15 years into his Alex NFL Alex career. Smith was gone yeah. yeah Patrick Mahomes was drafted to replace Alex Smith if you yeah. take a quarterback in the first round you are not drafting him to compete with Mac Jones you are drafting him to replace Mac Jones yeah. Second round, you want to do like that Jalen Hurts right, thing, right. you know, like they did with Carson Wentz that worked out. Yeah, okay, maybe. I think it, some of that depends on who you take. Yeah. But you, you can't take a quarterback in the first round to hedge your bets. So uh, last thing on, on that call, because a good call. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Mac and Bill, and Dove, don't come for me for this. This is not a report, okay? <laughs> this is my feeling about it. I'm going to let Dove know you're about to talk. This is my feeling about it. I do not think that Mac Jones and Bill Belichick will both be here in 2024. I don't think they'll both be here in 2024. I think that relationship was almost almost severed at, at last year. Like I, I, I mean, think there it, were reports they tried to trade him. Yeah, I think in, in the 2023 offseason, there was real – there was a real chance that this was already going to be a divorce between the quarterback and the head coach. And I think we're trending in that direction again. If I was Robert Kraft, I would pick neither, right? Like I would not pick Max it's Jones over option. Bill Belichick, right? I would not do that. I would not probably wouldn't pick Bill over Mac either, but I'd probably be more inclined to do that. Like I, I think Bill for all of his faults, like at least Bill has a resume of winning in the league, right? So yeah. uh, I, I would still side with him a little bit on that. But in general, I think that regardless, there's going to be a change uh, in terms of that relationship. I don't think they will both be here in 2024. But I'm I'm also at the point, like you said, you're adults. You yeah. work together. Yeah. Figure it out. I'm I'm sort of there as well. But I actually think that long term, I don't know if that's sustainable. But for this year, when I say that he, I don't think that uh, Mac will will be here in 2024, if Bill is here. I don't think that that's just because of Bill. I I think that there's, I think well, Mac is also fed up with the situation. And then on top of that, there's logistical reasons yeah. that it you know his rookie contract's almost up. Do they want to get something for him before he walks? There's the, the clocks run out. Yeah, clocks run out. Yep. All right. Uh, William is in Philly. What's up, William? Hey, Evan, how you doing? Good. All right. Um, I, I have two takes. Well, first of all, it, it's very hard to get in contact with y'all, basically. You know, I don't know what's on the phones or whatnot, but uh, I'm just glad I just got through. So I just got two takes, and I'm out your way. Um, to you, Alex, I just want to say, you know, you came up with the greatest idea. Man. Like, when you came up with the idea about Caleb Williams, if the Patriots had 
the first round pick and the Chicago Bears would you know come knocking basically. And the only way you would give up that first that first pick because they want Caleb Williams. If they give you the first two picks that they have, where you can get Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr., I was with you all the way. Thanks. I don't know how realistic that is, but it's a it's a thought. Right, but I I just want to say genius on that part. Thank you. And my last take is this: you two gentlemen, I I have said this before, Evan, uh, went on um, undisputed, but you wasn't there. Um, if they if Mr. Kraft needed two GM, I I'm. I can't think of two other people than Alex Barton and, and, um, <laughs> and Lazar. Okay, I think y'all do an outstanding job. I've been watch. I've been just following y'all for a minute since the YouTube thing. I mean, y'all do such an excellent job, and I just hope you know Mr. Kraft can see that about y'all. Take care, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks I'll, I'll let talking. Evan run it. I'll 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 be like Ernie Adams behind the curtain. You don't have to tell anybody what I'll do. Like one day I'll be working on the draft, the next day I'll pick which days we're going to wear the throwbacks, things like that. Like. <laughs> You can do all the day to day. Oh, thanks, thanks. I just won't have a life, and I'll just live here. That's that's what you're telling me, right? I, uh, I never said I wouldn't. Uh, so I'm just going to work on the stuff that annoys you. <laughs> that I would need somebody exactly. In that role, yeah, 100%. there we go. No, no, no. I, I think the the biggest thing um, in terms of this team, though, directionally, I think why people relate to how we feel about the team, Alex, in terms of the personnel, is they have to they have to modernize this thing. Like they have to. They have to have more of an offensive-minded philosophy. It doesn't have to be all offense, right? But right. it just – you can't get by in today's NFL of putting together an offensive roster with cast-offs from other teams, dollar store-free agent signings, guys that, you know, you're basically paying for – past performance more than you're paying for future performance you can't get by with that kind of stuff in the veteran market especially but also in the draft you can't just hope and this is we were talking about this a little bit yesterday you know about Gronk and Edelman yeah and like how they they kind of lucked into that working out as well as it did a, a, a little bit yeah I, and, and, and like you can't keep counting on Demario Douglas's of the world and the Kayshawn Booties of the world and uh, you know Jacoby Myers is an undrafted rookie like those guys are are have a place on your team and they have a place in the, on on this team that is not a bad place to be but they can't be your number one options and you can't count on it you know what I mean like you right. can't count that De Demario Douglas is going to develop into a Pro Bowl receiver. Be you have to go. You have to be more aggressive with the way that you approach team building on offense, and and just with the offenses, it, that doesn't even mean be the Miami Dolphins and go out and get yeah. all the fastest players. Like they have, they haven't addressed the tackle position in years. Yeah, that's not a speed thing. Yeah. It's just it's it's asset management. Yep. All right. Uh, last call here from Sal in Connecticut. What's up, Sal? Hey guys, how are you? Hey, good. Listen, I, first of all, I enjoy your show quite a bit. Thank um, you. Just another another point of view. I, I've been a season ticket holder for some thirty three years or so. So I've seen a lot of garbage, and I've been a fan since 72. Um, I'm 62 years old. Why do I think that if this offensive line for the Patriots was um, the Eagles' offensive line or, or another solid offensive line, that we would have a completely different take on how Mac looks or how he developed? Um, I don't know whether or not... Um, it's it's based if the failure of the line is based on Clem or it's based on on Bill's selecting of players. I like to, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. And one other point: if Bill is going to stay, and 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 Bob's going to keep him, Bob Kraft's going to keep him. 
I would suggest that I would like to see some announcement that he's staying now so that any players that think they want to check out might realize that they're going to be dealing with the same coach next year and that he's not a lame duck. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. That's a good point. And, and that's – Thanks for the call, South. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's something that could happen behind the scenes. Yeah, I think it can, that's not like a public statement. Yeah. You're not going to publicly put your support behind the coach because even if you say that and the players buy in again and all that kind of stuff, if you finish the year three and, and 14, you still have to give your keep your options open. And that you, can and you know what? Let the players who would quit quit. Yeah, and then you know, then you yeah. know what guys are made of. Yeah. Uh, to his other points, uh, what do I think that the off? We talked about this a little bit, Alex, because I know it's uh, been a, a little bit of a popular topic the last couple days for whatever reason. Uh, Mac versus Tua, right? And like, yeah. it, it, is Tua a product of his environment? And would Mac look better, uh, like in Miami's offense? And like, so my answer to all that is, yeah, of course he would look better in Miami's yeah. offense than he looks here. Uh, Miami has its own offensive line issues, by the way, but th- he would look better in Miami, no doubt about it. And he would look better if they had a better offensive line here or better weapons, one or the other. Like, you have to have good weapons. Or both. Uh, great offense to have both for the most yeah. Well, Miami doesn't, so I didn't even say that. I think that you absolutely – Well, it's, it's three. They, they, they scheme around it. So you absolutely – in terms of personnel, though, take the quarterback out of it for a second. Yeah. I think you absolutely need to have – good weapons or good offensive line play yes you, if you have one of those things then you're gonna be a good offense to be a great offense you need multiple yeah. right and Miami right now has great scheme great receivers great quarterback right yeah. so they're just that's why they're the number one offense in the NFL but in terms of Mac I would it have looked better yes uh will it look better could it look better yes uh, I think the bottom line is though that it's too late like it's, it's too late. Yep. It's too late to have that conversation. That's what this year was. Right. We spent all off season talking about this is the make or break year for Mac Jones. Yeah. You got to put around him what you think the group around him is going to look like so you can evaluate him. If this is the group, the kind of group they plan on putting around him for the future, he's not the guy. Right. I don't know that there is a guy if this is kind of the kind of group they plan to have for the future, but yeah. He, he does need some talent around him. He's not Tom Brady. That has been yeah. established. That is your hot take, Evan. I don't mean to steal that for you. He's not Patrick Mahomes, another classic Evan take. Yep. He's but, not the best quarterback in the league. Correct. That's that. I agree. It's a bold take from you. Okay, but you but, know but, what I'm but trying this is to it. Say. No, no, no. I know what you're trying to say, but like this is if, if this is the group you want to put around Mac Jones, which yeah. this was the year to kind of put it all together, if this is the group you're putting around him, then you need to find a new guy because he's not it for this group. Yeah, and I also just think it's, it's challenging to – now at this point, assuming that this continues to go down this season the way it's gone down, two years of this, yeah. of him looking broken, and then putting him back together in year four. And, and not just that. Time. It's not just putting him back together. You have to commit to him long-term starting yeah. this offseason. Yeah. You have the fifth-year option, and then you actually have to give him a contract. Yeah. yeah. So, the, look, if it was like year one and this was going on, you could say, yeah, you know, give it another shot. And, and that's what we did, as we did last year. Yeah. The window's closed. The window's closed on the rookie contract. They're back to square one. Okay, so uh, before we wrap here, and I know we were supposed to wrap already, but that's not that's not how <laughs> that's we not roll. How we do it. That's time, not how we roll. Time does not exist on this no. show. We got to. Uh, we have some old school Andy Reid clock management on this show. <laughs> it's so true. I try so hard to keep us on schedule, and it never works. It oh, never we're going to do segments. We're going to do planned segments, and the show's yeah. going to have a lot more flow. It's never going to happen. No. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Buffalo. I think all it's right. first of all. I, I just want to say uh, that for me, as, as somebody that loves to talk about uh, matchups 
beeps and X's and O's and things like that. The fact that we're an hour and 42 minutes into the show and we haven't even talked about who they're playing on Sunday yet is depressing. It's depressing that we can't even like that's especially because you got a little man crush on Josh Allen. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, that doesn't even matter, right? Like, yeah. It doesn't even matter. Uh, but with that being said, uh, let's talk about. Let's do some key matchups. Let's discuss this matchup. I, I, I think the one thing, if you're if you're a Patriots fan, and you are get, asking me, Evan, uh, Alex, uh, why watch this game on Sunday? Like, why bother? Why watch this game? Oh, I'm gonna hate this answer. I know what you're gonna say. What am I gonna say? Because you get to watch Josh Allen. No, I'm not okay. gonna say that. I would have uh, left. <laughs> I might have said that just to get under your skin. Uh, the one thing that I will say is as talented as the bills are and they are they're much better than you on paper like it's not close yes as talented as they are the bills have not really played great football lately uh they almost lost to the giants on should have lost to the giants they lost in london to jacksonville who's been up and down themselves and uh they lost to zach wilson they lost to zach wilson in week one so they haven't been playing great football. I was on a podcast um, with the Cover One folks who do a great job covering the Bills. I was on a, a podcast with them last night, and uh, we were talking off the top about man- like handling expectations. Like when your team right. is like expected to win the Super Bowl and the favorite to win. The- they were the betting favorite coming into the season, I think, uh, Buffalo, to win Shouldn't the Super been, Bowl. But okay. Uh, when you're – that's the bar is yeah. Super Bowl. How do you handle some of the adversity? Oh, the Bills through, fans have no idea how to root for right, a winning team. Right. So I was trying to help them through it. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that – so in Buffalo right now, they want to fire Ken Dorsey. They are out on the off- offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator that has the team third in the league in points per game. Yeah. Right? They, they're out because – It's us with Josh McDaniels all those yeah, years ago. because they have some peaks and valleys. They do. Yeah. They're an, a, a boomer bust offense, which is your whole thing against Josh Allen, right? Yeah. They're either scoring 40 or they're scoring 14. And there's, like, no in-between with this offense right now. And if you're a Patriots fan, it has not happened against the Patriots in four years. So I'm not trying to tell you it's going to happen on Sunday. But if you want to have a sliver of hope that the Patriots can actually be in this game – it's that if you can catch Buffalo on one of those fourteen point yeah. games, then they're then they have been vulnerable this season a little bit. But it's it's not going to happen because no. McDermott and Allen just have something about Belichick that they yeah. play these games differently. Look, I hate it. Celtics fans do this a lot. Yeah, where some player will go off against the Celtics and they'll be like, "No, of course he has a career game against the Celtics." When like the Celtics defense was just bad. Yeah, they're like why do all these guys have career games against Celtics? Oh, the defense bad. Josh Allen plays differently against the Patriots yeah. than he plays against everybody else. The book on Josh Allen, all these teams do it, is you sit back, you take away the big play, you take away Stephon Diggs, and you force him to check the ball down throughout the game because eventually he will get frustrated and he will start being reckless and turning the ball over. Yeah, This is not a hot take. This is backed up by facts. He has 60 turnovers in 55 games since 2020. No other quarterback is within five of him. Guess how many of those 60 turnovers are against the Patriots? Three. <laughs> it's three. So, for whatever reason, games. for whatever reason, when, them up. when he faces the Patriots, he can go the whole game and just do, do, yeah. do down the field, and he does not feel the need unless it's wide open, right? Yeah. Stephon Diggs against J.C. Jackson. Yeah. Unless it's wide open, he does not take the bait again. I don't know if it's because Bill dominated him so much early in his career Sean McDermott again has this weird thing about Bill. Remember after the win game, yeah, he, he was like, him. don't give Bill Belichick too much yeah. credit. Whatever that thing is, I'd love to know. Yeah. They go into this game and they're like, 
they 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 play the way if the Bills played the way against the Patriots, they play against all the other teams, they would win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they clearly have it within themselves to do it. And they just decide not to do it. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. So he but this is what they do. Some of the things that I think have come up with the Bills offense. One is obviously Allen has six picks and, and, yeah. and is prone to turn the ball over a little bit. Uh, a little bit. The, the other thing is is that Ken, you know Ken Dorsey's come out of uh, under a lot of fire is that they they have the under center traditional more traditional offense in their back pocket but they don't go to it very often and like I feel like they they're very Allen and Diggs hero ball centric which like, is not sustainable right so except that, against the Patriots that's why they're they are inconsistent right is because their offense when it comes down to it is is so reliant on Josh Allen just effing around out there and figuring out something and finding Stefan Diggs like eight seconds into the play and making something crazy happen that eventually there's turnovers, there's inconsistencies, there's issues. He gets hurt. He's got the bad shoulder now. He hurt his yeah. shoulder last so week. So there's just a lot of stuff that they're they're trying to find the the key word of consistency. Like they're trying to find a way to be consistent. Are, are they are they your do do they just not care and like what it is? Well, I think it's a, b- a little bit of both because okay. on the one hand, I don't think they have any interest in being consistent. So they can't re- you can't fully reel in Josh Allen because then you take away his superpower, right? Well, it, they've they've tried to do that and they did that at the end of last year and they were bad. Yeah, you can't do it because that's that's how he plays. Like but, that's but when he, he plays is. that way, he gets hurt. Yeah, I, I hear you, but that but his superpower is I call him Captain Chaos. Like his superpower is that he on extended broken down plays is the best quarterback I think I've ever seen at extending the play. He, you can't get him down. Like you can't get the guy on the ground. He just runs around. He stiff arms guys. He throws guys off of him. He jukes guys. And then he's going to make this, you know, off one foot off platform, you know, throw into a tight window and somehow he it works like it's like that touchdown pass he threw well except all the, the times it doesn't but we're not allowed to talk about those. well we do, we don't talk about them because they don't happen against the patriots like somehow right, right, he figures yeah. out how to do it against the patriots all the time so i i would i what do you do against a guy like that that just thrives in chaos uh the one thing that i've seen you know i, I watched a lot of um the jets because yeah. the jets seem to have his number the jets have yeah. figured it out so the jets what they do is they disguise the crap out of the back end. They never tell him what it, they're in pre-snap. And they basically the way I look at it is they fight chaos with chaos. Like you want to play chaotic and be all over the place, then we're going to do the same exact thing. We're never going we're not going to sit in the in the same defense. We're not going to show you the picture pre-snap and we're going to basically like they almost played like uh, a back end amoeba where guys were just like popping around all the time, right? We see that with the front, right? Where right. guys are just all hovering around the line of scrimmage and don't know who is coming and who's dropping. The Jets do that, but with their secondary. And it's not the corners. Like I'm talking about yeah, like the safeties safety, yeah. and like they're just all who's over the spying, place. Who's spying? Who's in zone? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and and he doesn't get a good read of it and they, they bait him into mistakes and he, and he sometimes will walk into the trap. And uh, he did week one, what, three three interceptions in yeah. week one. Uh, so I, I think that you have to do that. Uh, you have to get pressure and, and, and just live with it. Like, you have to be able to thrive in chaos just like he does. And uh, I think with the Patriots, uh, it, one of it is, is partially been a talent issue, yeah. I think, over the last couple of years that they don't have the talented guys to to be – 
you know, down for four or five seconds at a time against a player like Josh Allen. Uh, but I would also say that some of it is that their system is so predicated on like discipline and rules and integrity and like structure. And he breaks that. Like he right. breaks the wheel. Well, you go back to the play last year. They forced him to the sideline. That's the rule, but you got to yeah. play to the whistle. Yeah. couple other things I would say on Josh Allen. It, again, play to the whistle. Yeah. And not just tackling him. Catch the ball when he throws it to you. Yeah. They, the J.C. Jackson one in yeah. 21 and Kyle yeah. Duggar in 22. They had two yeah. nearly game-changing interceptions they dropped. And the the it, it almost works at times the way they spin the dial on him. Yeah. The other one, and this goes counter to everything we've said, but I'm going to bring it up. And, and I want to actually pull this up here. I know we're up against it, but here's the time when I give you some numbers, Evan. Um, outside of the... the so outside of the playoff game, which was just a blowout. Yeah. All the games since 2020 have had a very similar theme. Yeah. And that is the Bills have a slight lead at halftime. They go into the third quarter. And at some point in the second half, they have some monstrous drive that just it, and that's why a lot of these games have been like closer on the scoreboard than they seem. Yeah, twenty twenty week eight, the Bills had a nine and ten play drive in the second half. First one gave them a one touchdown lead, and then the second one um, made it a two score game. So that that kind of blew it up. Twenty twenty, they had a ten play drive that uh, the second game, ten play drive that took eight minutes off the clock. That basically iced the game. Took a two score game to a three score game. They had two in the first game in twenty sixteen. Two five-minute drives, 14 plays and 13 drives. A 15-play drive in the first game last year and a seven-play drive in the second game. The best way to to prevent them from doing that is to start strong yeah. and not give them a lead. But that is, not we talked happen. about that. Not going to happen. I, I preach patience with Josh Allen all the time. I say that's what you have to do. Just don't give him the big play, force him to yeah. check his way down the field. If you get to the second half and it's like a one-score game, maybe a 10-point game. Yeah throw that out and get aggressive and go after him because they will take that eight-minute drive and they will run the thing down and suddenly a 10-point game with like five minutes to go in the third quarter becomes a 17-point game with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter and right. it's completely different. Right. So I, I actually, this is one of those games and I want to move over to the offense quickly because yeah. we're running out of time. Uh, this is one of those games that I actually agree with one of uh, something that you talk about a lot, and that is you got to shorten the game. Shorten the game, run the ball. Yeah, you got to. So the Giants uh, held them to nine drives. The Bills had nine drives yeah. against the Giants. Uh, it, it, they only averaged three point nine a carry, but they committed to the run game. Barkley had a few big runs in the second half on one drive, one of their scoring drives. He got them down the field. He had a thirty-four yarder, nineteen yarder, right, and that they were able to run the ball. The one thing about this Bills team right now, uh, we talked about the volatility of the offense. There's a, a, a world where the Patriots get boat raced by the talent uh, with Buffalo, uh, like Dallas, right. like a Dallas-type game, right, where they just are so much more talented than you than you get boat raced. But the one thing that you can do against the Bills, and I say that because if you're that far behind, then the running game really is not going to matter. But they do not no longer have – the Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds combination right. at linebacker. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds left for the Bears in free agency, and Matt Milano is out for the year. Uh, he's injured. So their new tandem is uh, Terrell Bernard, who I remember from Baylor, is Baylor, a, yeah. a third-round draft pick, and they've been cycling through a couple different guys at that second linebacker spot. But essentially what I'm saying in, in a long way is that Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are not walking through the door for Buffalo's defense right now. So – 
you can run on this Buffalo defense. Their pass rush is uh, fifth in the league in pressure rate. They're first in the league in sacks. They have a legitimate pass rush. And what worries about me about this game in terms of it getting out of hand for the Patriots is that it's going to look a lot like Dallas and New Orleans where the pressure is just relentless and Mac Jones turns the ball over a bunch, right? Like that's what I am concerned about it in terms of getting the score getting out of hand. Uh, but you can run at this Bills defense. And yeah. those linebackers are smaller. Uh, they're inexperienced. Uh, Bernard's had like a decent season for a second-year guy, uh, but he's not Matt Milano. And uh, that they have some injuries on that yeah. side of the Ed ball. Ed Oliver also might not play. Yeah, uh, Daquan Jones is out. Uh, Trey White is out. And, uh, and those two linebackers are no longer there. So uh, they you can run on this defense a little. Uh, you can uh, – control the game in that sense a little bit and, and maybe you can uh, you know get them to back off a little bit on the outside and, and and throw some of the quick game stuff if you can run the ball I I, I think that there's a formula that exists for the Patriots to be competitive in this game uh, the two things that I worry the most about are obviously Diggs and Allen which yeah. everybody worries about and well, it's J- has JC Jackson picked up anything that it'll be different against Stefan Diggs yeah. this time? And the other thing I worry about is is Buffalo's pass rush just eating that offensive line alive. Yeah. And uh if that happens then you might be looking at a blowout. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where we're at uh with the Bills. So I'm I'm sorry kind of that we only spent 15 minutes or so on the Bills. I, I know that that's not our usual MO, but uh we had to uh we had to talk about the other things bigger picture here yeah. right a little bit Lincoln Riley and uh <laughs> apparently Lincoln Riley uh so uh we'll be back next week uh same time same place uh breaking down a, a trip to Miami which uh doesn't feel so hot Miami I I don't think that that's a great spot for the Patriots but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens uh, hopefully we're not talking about a one in six and one in seven football team here in a couple weeks but until then signing off for Alex Barth I'm Evan Lazar thanks for watching thanks for listening we'll see you guys next week Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.